This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allows members to request future stories and themes. Thank you for listening. This podcast contains mature content and is intended for an adult audience only. It contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of all stories is fiction with any similarities to real people or events being purely coincidental. This podcast is not intended for anything but entertainment of the listener, and if you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. Love's Curse Part 2 by Catanceris Chapter 08 The prince stalked along his hallways heading for the Hall of Memories. He pushed open the wide doors and stood before the relics of his past reign, sighing as the memories welled up within him. Lin walked in behind him. Sire, I'm going to be showing Miss Lalandra about the grounds today. Her wounds aren't painting her as badly, and she needs the fresh air. The prince nodded in response to Lin's information and looked at him a moment. Good, be sure that she does not enter this room. I will be forever damned if she does. I have kept her from this wing and she does not ask. She has been cowed into being meek, but I see hints of spirit in her. Perhaps it will be spirit enough to save a prince. Lin replied slyly. Prince Ares grunted a moment and began quietly walking around the spire in the center of the room, occasionally rustling his wings. I shouldn't have used it, Lin. I should have just had her executed by the firing squad instead of having my moment of satisfaction. Lin stiffened. It cannot be undone now, sire. You must remain hopeful and move forward. I have a feeling about this, lass. She's different than the others you have brought here. True, usually they would jump out the window at first sight of me. This is a good sign. Yes, she has steel in her veins. She had to in order to endure whatever hell her family put her through. Poor girl. Lin shook his head. I'm going to go serve her breakfast and then it's off to the gardens. And sire, please try not to scare the housecleaning group that will be here today. I never try Lin. It's not my fault they don't have steel in their veins like our guest. Have fun in the gardens and be careful of the roses. I thought it best to inform you, sire, just in case you had decided to behave. Lin chuckled. His liege was still the same underneath the bitterness of his curse. And we will steer clear of the roses. He bowed to Ares and left him to his thoughts. Ares returned once more to his memories, watching each item for a moment, reliving that terrible day over and over. Lin closed the doors quietly behind him and made his way to the kitchen. He efficiently prepared her a try for breakfast and headed back upstairs to her room. He knocked on the door once before unlocking it and entering. Lelandra was up, dressed, and standing by the table when he entered. Good morning, she said shyly. Lin smiled pleasantly and made his way over to the table, gently setting the tray down before her. Good morning, my lady. How are we feeling this fine day? Less sore. Restless. I miss the outside. She stated wistfully as she sat down to eat. He lifted the lid to reveal a perfectly cooked traditional breakfast, almost overflowing the plate. Well then you are in for a special treat. We are to view the gardens today. You mean it? We are to go out today? Her eyes were bright with joy and eagerness. Lin nodded and motioned to the great gardens that spanned for miles outside her window. Indeed, my lady. There are several hours worth of appreciation out there. That is of course if one only glances the blooms. It would take days, possibly even weeks to view all the flowers and fully appreciate them. She grinned broadly and went back to eating. She soon finished and stood. She couldn't disguise her desire to be on their way. Thank you for breakfast. She walked over to the closet and found a hat to keep the sun off her, and she quickly donned it. She had managed to brush and braid her hair the night before so that it didn't look like a rat's nest. I'm ready. Lynn respectfully held his arm out for her to take, heading at a slow pace along the corridors so as not to upset Lelandra's stomach and let her breakfast settle. We must of course stay clear of the roses. They are the master's most prized blooms, but more importantly, their thorns can be razor sharp. 
she was slightly disappointed at the news. Roses were the one flower she hadn't seen and it was one her mother had often talked about. No matter. She was sure there were other flowers that she would get to see on their little jaunt outdoors. He quietly paused just before the doors to the garden and motioned for her to look to the glass environment before them. This here, my lady, is the public example of the master's work and skill. Behind the glass wall, in constant perfect bloom were four roses. One red, yellow, white, and black. Each stunning in color and radiating beauty. She gawked. They're beautiful. She whispered and before she could stop herself she was reaching out to touch the black one. The glass was cold to the touch as her fingers traced over the engraved lettering. Lynn smiled and softly spoke. Are the blackest rose of night. It is the only one of its kind in the whole estate and is on the master's coat of arms. It represents passion and fortitude in the tasks he undertakes, along with his honor. She looked at Lynn in confusion. But I was always taught that black meant evil and suffering. On the contrary, my lady, evil comes in many forms. Black was simply the unfortunate color the darkness evil prefers to hide in. Oh. She still looked unconvinced but her fingers once more stroked the glass as her eyes strayed to the black rose. She shook her head and stepped back with an embarrassed laugh. Gardens? She asked politely to cover over the moment. Lynn watched her with interest. The others that had come this far had avoided the dark rose, thinking it dead, but this girl, this girl could see through appearances. Of course, my lady. He swung open the great double doors, the strong breeze filled with the aromas and pollens filling the hallway. She took in a deep breath and a smile that transformed her features and showed her beauty burst forth as she took a step forward into the beautiful morning. The sun was shining brightly and the herb gardens that dotted across the estate were alive with staff completing their weekly duties, pulling weds and killing pests. Other people. The Landra murmured when she spotted them. They were all of various ages but all worked diligently. As they passed by the workers, she frowned. The workers were giving her pitying glances and in the cases of the women, fearful ones. She moved closer to Lynn. Why are they looking at me like that? Her question was softly spoken but it sounded loud in the suddenly silent garden. Lynn took a moment thinking how to word the crushing destiny she might have. Did you ever wonder why the master asked for a new girl each month? She nodded and then bit her bottom lip. Is it because he... She stammered off and blushed as she recalled how huge his cock was and what he had wanted to do to her. Lynn nodded in response and continued. The master always paid for their funerals in full with the most grand of services. She closed her eyes and shuddered. She doubted any of her relatives would come to her funeral. I see. She replied softly before looking straight ahead and not at the workers. Don't take it too harshly, my lady. It is an unfortunate part of the master's condition that he cannot control. I suppose that was little comfort to the dead girls. She stated before turning red and putting her hand to her mouth. She shot Lynn a look of fear as she hastily stammered out an apology. Forgive me, sir. I should not have said that. She trembled a little afraid that he would strike her for her insolence. Lynn, however, seemed unmoved by her words. You need not apologize, my lady. The master himself has said those words many times before. It is like a soldier having to execute an innocent villager for living in enemy territory. They have no choice, they must do it. His words only produced a chill of fear through her. They did not bring comfort. You said there were many flowers? She changed the subject quickly. She didn't want to think about her fate. Oh yes, just beyond the hedges here. Lynn quietly opened the larger gate in the ten-feet-tall hedge, revealing entire fields of exotic, precious flowers. Lelandra stared in mute surprise at the explosions of colors that the flowers displayed. Not only the colors, but also the shapes and sizes as well. And the scents. They were a heady mixture of sweet, coy, and tantalizing. He smiled brightly and once more began walking along the well-kept path, slowly proceeding along the stones allowing Lelandra time enough to take in the amazing scenery. Occasionally as they walked she would reach out to touch a flower and ask Lynn questions. She could have kept walking through the gardens forever but after a few hours her stomach rumbled, reminding her that she needed to eat. He gratefully answered all of her questions, pleased to see her enjoying the gardens. It has been so long since anyone had done so. When he heard her stomach rumble he could not help a light chuckle. Perhaps it is time to return. It will be dark soon I believe. Yes, of course. She once again blushed when her stomach added its own agreement. Prince Ares watched them from high above in his balcony. He smiled to himself as he watched her enjoying the sunlight and the fields. 
He felt his heart ache a moment as his gaze focused on her, dreading the night that would quickly be arriving. Lelandra suddenly looked up. She had felt someone staring at her but there was no one in the garden except for Lynn and herself. She ignored her unease and continued to sniff at the flowers on their way back inside. Thank you for this day. She smiled winsomely at Lynn. She meant it too. She had truly enjoyed herself. He nodded and once more smiled warmly, escorting her down to the kitchen to save himself a trip up to her room. The hearth was blazing warm, creating a soft, gentle atmosphere as Lynn walked towards the larder, asking, What would you like this evening, my lady? Do you have any meats? I find myself craving some. She admitted. She had liked the fruits, vegetables, grains and bread trays he had been serving her but now she wanted something a little heartier. Indeed, my lady, we have all forms of meat here. Game bird, chicken, pork, beef, lamb, mutton, rabbit or venison. Which would you prefer? Lamb. I've only tried it once and I like the taste. That was probably putting it mildly. She had devoured her meager portion and had wanted more but her father had refused to let her have any. He said hired help didn't get to eat grand. Lynn nodded and brought out a large slab of the chilled meat, cutting thick slices from it before laying them on the pan above the fire. In a few minutes they were done and he carefully placed the plate in front of her, the volume of meat easily enough to satisfy even the largest of men's hunger. She found silverware in one of the cabinets and handed Lynn a fork, spoon and knife before seating herself. She cut into the meat and ate with gusto. This is delicious. I aim to please. He smiled at her enjoyment. They ate in companionable silence, and eventually she had to push the plate away. It had been years since she'd had a full belly, and she was grateful to Lin for it now. Thank you? She paused and then bashfully asked. How long have you worked for your master? Lin dabbed at his face with a napkin as he thought for a long moment. I worked here ten years before his birth, my lady, and will still be here until my dying day. How old is he? Now she was curious. She was only eighteen. She thought the beast was very old, but maybe not. He is thirty-two, my lady, a fine age for a lord if I do say so myself. He was indeed in his prime before his condition arose. A charismatic leader who held grand festivals once a season for his everyone to attend. So the beast was older than herself, but not by much. He was well-liked then. He was favored by many. He was the leader of a once grand and incorruptible army which rid the lands of evil bandits that had plagued the trading routes for years. Lin's eyes filled with joy as he remembered the days before the curse. He must have angered someone for them to do this to him. Lelandra didn't know anything about powers but she had heard that some of the people beyond her little valley possessed them. Her mother used to regale her with stories about such people but because Lelandra didn't see any in use she dismissed it as just stories. Now she wasn't so sure. Just like her mother used to tell her that there were beasts who could talk. And now she lived in a place where a beast did indeed talk. All her doubts were on shaking ground. Indeed he did anger someone, sweet lady. He angered the leader of those barbaric and brutal bandits. The men took her into custody because she was known to be treacherous and her punishment would have been banishment had she not attacked the master. What did they do to her? She was executed instead. Attacking the master usually only comes with a flogging or prison. However, he was changed that fateful day. Alas, the poor misguided Zito Mira was no more. The name stirred something in her memory, but it was elusive, so she dismissed it. Quietly, Lin cleared the table of the meal and contents, laying them aside to be washed later. I believe it is time for some rest, my lady. Yes, yes, of course. She stood, but then she had a horrible thought. Am I to meet with the beast again this evening? Will he? She couldn't complete the sentence. Not tonight, no. Tomorrow perhaps when you are fully healed. Have you reconsidered the master's kind offer, my lady? She looked away from Lin. Kind offer? That was a nice way of putting what mostly amounted to a rape on the part of the beast. I have to think some more. She stammered. He nodded and held his arm out for Lelandra to take. I do hope you reach a decision by tomorrow night. The encounters go so much more smoothly if one is willing. I understand. She whispered. They walked back to her room in silence, his hand gently resting on her arm in a small gesture of comfort. The master will see you after dinner tomorrow night. Rest well, my lady. With that said, he silently left the room. Only the sound of the door closing and the lock clicking into place could be heard. She looked at the door and then went to the bed and started crying softly. She was afraid and she had no one to confide her fears in. Finally sleep claimed her and she slept dreamlessly.
Chapter 09 Lin took the uneaten meal back to the kitchens with a sigh. He had not meant to cause her distress but Lelandra was healed and time was up. She would either survive the master's attentions or die trying. He wanted to believe that she would but he wasn't so sure. He spent time cleaning up the kitchen before heading toward the east wing to await his master's midnight arrival. He was greeted by the sounds of the prince returning back to his human form. Ares twisted his neck to each side, listening to the clicks and sighing. When Lin entered he spoke quickly. I have a plan Lin and we must do it now if this is to go smoothly. Lin looked at his master in surprise. Of course, sire. What did you have in mind? Ares slipped on a silk robe, wrapping it around himself while speaking. Blindfold her and shackle her to the bed. I will take her in this form. This way we will satisfy the curse and preserve her life. Lin's eyebrows rose and he gaped at Ares. But why? He wasn't sure what he was asking his master. He was surprised by the fact that his master was concerned for Lelandra and that he had chosen to come to her in human form rather than take her virginity as a beast. Even as he tried to wrap his mind around his master's odd behavior he was already grabbing a blindfold and shackles from a nearby table. Because I am sick and tired of being the cause of death to innocent young women. Now go! Lin gave a quick bow and hurried toward Lelandra's room. The idea of shackling her pricked his conscience but he would do as his master had bid. He unlocked the door to her room and quietly pushed it open. He spied her prone figure on the bed and with a quick prayer to the fates he crept toward her, the shackles feeling heavy in his hands. He stopped at the edge of the bed and looked down at her. It was best to blindfold her first he decided. He reached forward to do so but froze when her eyes opened and she looked up at him. What are you doing? Her tone was fearful as she gazed up at him. It is to help you sleep better my lady, the light of the full moon tends to shine through the curtains brightly at this time of night. The shackles were hidden below the edge of the bed as he slid the blindfold over her face. Trust me my lady, when have I ever lead you wrong? She shivered but allowed him to blindfold her. He had not harmed her in any way. He had only been kind and gentle. She did trust him and so she lay still as the blindfold slid into place and the brilliant light of the moon was replaced by darkness. He softly stroked her cheek, feeling his conscience arguing with him about what he was going to do. In the silence that followed the only sound that was heard was the clicking of the shackles as her wrists were chained to the bedposts. Softly he whispered, Forgive me, my lady, but the master has decided that the time is now. I hope you have made the right decision. She stiffened at his words and started to struggle, but he had already firmly shackled her. She whimpered in fear. Please, Lin. Not this way. She whispered as a single tear slid down her cheek. He said nothing, only walked away and the sound of the door being opened pierced the night and he was gone. Small tremors of fear racked her petite frame as the silence grew heavy. She could hear her harsh breathing in the stillness, and the increased beating of her heart was loud in her ears as she lay there helpless awaiting the arrival of Lin's beast master. She had thought she would have until tomorrow night to prepare but that offer had apparently not been true so like a beast to impulsively change its mind. She wished he would come and get it over with. She asked the fates to take her quickly if the pain was too much. Her only regret was that she did not get a chance to tell the mystery man goodbye. The door opened with a soft creak, a soft breeze blowing through the room, filling it with the scent of roses. The quiet sound of bare feet walking across the flagstones could be heard, accompanied by the sound of smooth silk crumpling to the floor. Lelandra squeezed her eyes shut even though she couldn't see. Her mouth instantly became dry and her heart beat even harder. She was going to be raped. She felt every muscle in her body tense in dread. The bed dipped as the unknown visitor moved upon it. However, it did not dip as much as it should have. It seemed as if someone much lighter had crawled upon it. Soft, delicately manicured hands slid her dress up her thighs, exposing her pale flesh to the cool night air, gently stroking her skin. Lelandra noticed none of this as her frightened mind conjured up the horrible pain she imagined she was about to experience. The touch on her skin froze her and confusion set in. It felt like a hand, not a claw. Had the beast decided to let another man rape her in its stead? She whimpered. She was going to become the slut her father had proclaimed her to be. The figure leaned down, his hot breath brushing the side of her neck moments before delicate fluttering kisses graced its surface. The lips were soft and moist, giving the most exquisite feelings as the hands on her thighs slowly slid up her body. Her midriff exposed, the hands softly massaged her flesh, still heading upwards towards her pert breasts. 
The movements were gentle, compassionate, seeking to grant her the most pleasure they could possibly conjure up. She felt her body growing hot, and her mind whirled. What was going on? Why did she feel such nice sensations where she was being touched? She blushed when her nipples hardened and a whimper of want slipped from her mouth. She wasn't sure what her body wanted but at the moment she was too busy exploring the new feelings she was experiencing. The hot breath disappeared from her neck only to moments later fall upon the slope of her breast. Once more the fluttering kisses tickled her skin, heading slowly down to her nipple as the firm globe of desire was grasped by the manicured hands and firmly squeezed in lust. She gasped and clamped her legs shut even as she shifted. She heard the shackles clank but she couldn't seem to make up her mind if she was moving away or toward the touch of her silent visitor. The lips upon her nipple suckled like a newborn babe, flicking the harden up between his teeth. His rough tongue sending shivers of ecstasy through her petite frame. Gently and subtly, his free hand slid down her abdomen once more and tenderly through her downy pubic hair. When the fingers touched her down there she gasped and whispered. No, please don't. She remembered how the mayor had used his fingers on her pussy and how disgusting it made her feel. She didn't want to feel that way again. Softly, the figure spoke, his voice laced with desire and caring. S.H., it will only hurt a moment, then you will feel such pleasure. That voice. She recognized that voice. Is it you? She asked as she went completely still beneath his hands. If it was he then she wanted to see his face if he was going to take her virginity. She could tolerate it if it was the kind man from the forest. There was a long moment of pause, his hands still upon her body. Quietly he spoke to her once more, his tone still caring and loving. Yes, the master sent me to prepare you, so you would know the pleasures of a caring man at least once in your lifetime. Please, may I see you then? I do not like this blindfold. If it was the man from the forest then she wanted to be able to look upon him as he gave her pleasure. She wanted to remember his face and this night so that she would be fortified for her time with the beast. Once more there was a moment of hesitation before the blindfold was slowly removed. The figure above her was illuminated by the moonlight as it shone through her window. He looked perfect at this moment, sleek and toned, like a wolf on the hunt. Her mouth fell open in a perfect, oh, of surprise as she gazed on his upper body. The sight of it mesmerized her. Her father and her brothers all had very hairy chests, but this man before her had just enough that he didn't look like a youth but didn't look like some disgusting unkempt farmer. His face formed into a lust-filled smile as he leaned down, their lips meeting in a tender kiss, slowly building in passion. Once more his hands began to move across her body, her inner thigh gently being caressed in invitation to open for him. She didn't refuse him as her legs parted farther, and she kissed him back. She'd never been kissed like this. The few kisses she'd been forced to endure had come at the hands of her father and brothers and most recently at the hands of a neighbor's farmhand. She had been disgusted every time but this time it felt different. It made her body flush with heat. Her confused gaze locked onto his face. What were these feelings running through her? Slowly his inquiring fingertips slid further up her thigh, stroking every inch of flesh that came into reach. The tips tentatively met her moistening lips, slowly slipping up and down their length, feeling them engorge beneath his touch. Oh! She gasped and then closed her legs. That feeling she remembered. It was the one the mayor had caused when his fingers had slid inside her. She turned red in embarrassment and twisted against the shackles. Once more his hushed, concerned voice was heard. What's wrong? Did I hurt you? She squeezed her eyes closed. How was she to explain to him that another had done those things to her, and she had felt dirty but with him it didn't feel that way. His lips once more met hers gently, hoping to ease the tension within her body. I will not hurt you, my lady. It's not you, it's me. She gasped as she opened her eyes to look at him. Green eyes met blue ones. Hers were wary and afraid. The mayor, he... She stopped and blushed. He did what you did but I did not like it. She added. His hand gently caressed her face, looking deeply into her eyes. Would it help if you were unshackled, my lady? The master has alas allowed only an hour for me to be with you. She bit her lip and nodded. The shackles were starting to chafe. Only an hour. But she wanted to be with him longer. The click of the shackles pierced the quiet air as her wrists came free. Better? His aroused member could now be felt resting against her knee, hot and throbbing. Her eyes widened and she stared at him, afraid to look down. Yes. She gulped as she clutched at the sheets underneath her. His hand caressed her face once more. 
Look down, it'll help. Against her leg, his member was an easy seven inches, instead of the shocking eighteen inches of his bestial side. It's going to fit inside me? She asked dubiously as she looked at him first timidly then with curiosity. He smiled and nodded slowly at her. Indeed, it will easily fit within you. All right. She reached out and touched his face, marveling at the soft yet firm cheekbones. Her hand trailed down his face, to his neck and to his chest. She felt that wetness between her legs again and she blushed but she guessed it was all right because he wasn't complaining that her body was doing it. As his fingers felt the wetness, his smile increased and the tips began to stroke her lips once more. Slowly they circled her clit, watching her reaction. She felt a moan escape her lips and she opened her legs further. More, please, she begged. He gladly granted her pleading request, allowing his fingers to slide within her tight, virgin opening. As he moved them back and forth, he added a scissors movement, gently stretching her to allow for easier entrance for his aching member. She could feel more wetness coming from her body and her breasts were tingling. Your name? Please, you've never told me your name. She said even as she arched her back and pushed her lush breasts toward him. All will be revealed in time, my lady. His fingers slowly withdrew from her entrance as his waist slid between her thighs. His head dipped down towards her perfect round globes, once more sucking her teats into his mouth. She wasn't sure what to do with her hands but then they were going around him to his back. Her nails grazed him. A long breath came from his lips as he lined his tip up with the mouth of her pussy. He ran the head of his pulsing cock up and down her lips, getting it wet enough for easy penetration. Are you ready? She wasn't but she said. Yes. Anyway. With consent given, his hips gradually leaned forwards, pushing his hot, solid cock into Lelander's warm, wet, tight depths. She flinched when she felt the pain and then frowned. The pain only lasted for a moment, and she stared at him, wondering what was going to happen next. When her face frowned in puzzlement, he smirked once more and began to draw his thick length out of her grasping passage. When only the head was still within her, he pushed back into her, a little faster, just enough to intensify the pleasure and make her want more. Her eyes grew wide and she gasped and then wiggled. She felt full down there and felt a nice warm feeling creeping through her body. Soft lips touched her neck, tender flitting kisses. The touch was like the wings of a butterfly, light yet felt. Slowly he moved down to her shoulder as he worshipped the skin before him. His artful caresses and kisses stimulated her virgin body and made her moan even louder. She was so hot. When was he going to quench this flame? His hips sawed back and forth, working his erect member within her. Each stroke stoked the fire within her till it seemed as if she would burn up with the feeling. A fine sheen of sweat coated his muscles as each drive forward was punctuated with a loud slap of skin as his hips met hers. She felt a budding sensation of something but then it hit her, and her body seized up and fine tremors that grew began washing over her body and caused her to cry out her passion in surprise and delight. Hungrily, he bit down upon her nipple as he felt his own climax rocket towards him. The sudden increased tightness of his lover setting off the most intense pleasure he had ever experienced. He threw his head back and roared in orgasm, the sounds ricocheting off the walls and ceiling. Within her fertile depths, his potent seed exploded forth from his tip. The thick, hot, sticky substance coated her walls and penetrated deep into her womb. The bite to her nipple made her wince in pain and gasp but then another orgasm hit her at the same time as his and she was drowning in sensations. Gradually his hips began to slow till he held still within her. His length fully penetrated, plugged and sealed her, holding his life-giving sperm within her. His breathing was heavy and coming in long breaths that flowed across her chest. Both of their bodies were coated in a slick layer of sweat and juices that gave the air a sensual aroma. I'm glad the beast chose you to be my first. She whispered. I don't think I could have survived if he had been the one to take my virginity from me. She shuddered as she thought of the pain that would have caused. Before she could stop herself, she yawned. She suddenly felt very sleepy. Her eyes started to close, but she did manage to ask one last thing before sleep claimed her. She didn't hear his answer however for she peacefully slept. Softly he bent down and whispered his answer in her ear before slowly sliding from her body in bed. He glanced towards the clock on her wall and realized that his time was almost up. He slid his robe around himself once more and headed out, locking the door behind him once more and heading for his chambers. Lynn was waiting for him in the hallway. Hurry, sire. You only have five minutes left before your hour is up. 
Ares was not worried however, and almost leisurely strolled along the halls. Her door is locked Lin, the halls are wide enough to accommodate my wingspan, what is there to hurry for? I do not know why I feel such urgency this night. I apologize. Lin wasn't sure why he was in a hurry to get his master back to the east wing. Even he was confused by his strange behavior. Perhaps it is that you feel guilty for shackling her to the bed? Feel free to discard those feelings, Lin. She quite enjoyed it once released. It was my idea and you had no choice. Lin gave Ares a startled glance. He had been feeling guilty about blindfolding and shackling the young woman. He had thought it very cruel. He was happy to find out that Ares had released her. The thought of her lying there bound and blind had bothered him a great deal. Ares walked into his room and hung the robe inside his dressing room, emerging just in time to transform back into the ferocious beast he was cursed to be. Master, forgive me for being so bold but may I ask a question? Ares twisted his head from side to side, his neck popping loudly as he stretched. Growling softly in satisfaction he nodded in approval. You know you may ask me anything Lin. Whether or not you get an answer is another matter. Lin gave a rueful chuckle but then grew serious. Why go to her in your human form? You do know what will happen, don't you? Eventually she will realize the connection, Lin. If she doesn't then alas she will fall victim to a rough night with this side. I'll be damned if I try for six months only to find that she can't make a simple connection. Lin shook his head. His master was putting entirely too much faith in the girl. Lin didn't know if she had it in her to figure it out. And he wasn't sure if his master had time left for such a wait. As you will it, sire. Ares walked quietly over to the large balcony and opened the doors wide. The night air flowed in like a tide cool and crisp. He turned his head back to Lin a moment and spoke softly. You saw her reaction to the roses. She will see what truly lies beneath. He spread his wings and dove off the balcony, gliding off into the night once more. Lin watched his master go and hoped that Ares's faith was not misplaced. True the girl was the first to see past the rose but would she be so observant when it came to the man and the beast? Chapter 10 The cloaked man looked furtively about. He only had a few more feet to go before he would reach the rebels' encampment. He had seen the fearsome beast as well as the beautiful young lady who had been brought to the castle. She was different from the others. In fact she looked disturbingly familiar but he couldn't place her. Maybe Discius would have an answer. He stopped and let out a series of whistles and clicks. He was soon answered and he proceeded on his way. He stopped outside the ornate tent and took a deep breath before entering the semi-lit interior. He promptly dropped to the ground his forehead pressed against it as he waited for General Discius to speak. In front of the visitor sat a well-built muscular man, his body solid as brick with an impassive gaze to match. His body was covered from head to toe with many scars, making his once handsome features grotesque and frightening. At the moment he was studying a map of the surrounding area a bottle of fine vintage wine sat beside him. He brought the bottle to his fat lips and took a long swig of its aged contents. His eyes fell upon the spy kneeling on his floor, and he spoke with a deep voice that had long ago inspired fear into his enemies and courage in his soldiers. It had once been filled with power and elegance. However, age, battle and drink had warped and decayed it to a low, dangerous rumble. Speak! What information do you bring me? The beast has brought another girl to the castle. And she looks familiar, my lord. Another lamb to the slaughter then. Familiar how? Discius raised a thick eyebrow in question, his patience running short already. He was not one for mystery or anticipation. I don't know how to explain it, my lord. The spy nervously stammered. He wished he had a way to show the general the girl's face maybe then the man would understand. You may not, but I do. Discius rose from his chair, flexing his gauntlet-clad hands and walked towards his spy, Alfred. You have been good to me, Alfred, so I will not destroy your mind for not being accurate with important details. I will make you wish I had. No, my lord, please, I beg of you, just give me a few moments to remember. Alfred's eyes widened as Discius approached, and he pleadingly raised his hands in front of him. Your time is up, Alfred. Now it is time to see what you know. Dish's hand hovered above his spy's head as he spoke, his words ominous and cold. His hand descended in a hammer-like movement, his iron grip clinching his spy's head in a tight grip that threatened to crush Alfred's skull. Screams rent the air as Alfred's mind was dissected, probed, examined, and evaluated. Finally, Discius found what he had been looking for in the forefront of his spy's mind. What he saw made his blood run cold, 
and his heart ached painfully. She was almost a mirror image to his wife Sitomira, but he knew they had never borne children. Zydemira's sister, however, had borne two sons and a daughter. It was clear to him what the beast was trying to do. He was trying to break the blood curse Sitomira had laid upon his soul. Discius would not let this happen. The beast must suffer for all time for what he had done to the people of, insert name of Zydemira's people. Alfred collapsed backwards when released, pale and cold, but still alive. Discius turned to his lieutenant and spoke in a rumble fueled by growing rage. Assemble the troops, Falser. We march on the city in two days. And have someone see to Alfred, he will be awakening in a few hours and I do not wish to listen to his screams again. Yes, General. Falser easily scooped up the much lighter Alfred and carried him from the tent. So what did you see? Hissed a voice from the darkest corner of the room. I saw a vision of beauty that I thought had been lost to the sands of time. It seems the queen's daughter has turned up alive and well. Dish's eyes narrowed as he looked at the picture of his wife that sat upon his mantle. The hissing increased for a moment before a giant snake-like creature emerged from the shadows. A queen had the stronger powers of the two but Shish chose not to ussy them. If Shish did indeed have a daughter this would work to our advantage. Are you planning on capturing her? On the contrary, Sin, I plan on rescuing her. When she sees how the beast reacts to his palace being stormed by an angry mob of townsfolk sick of their daughters being murdered, she'll walk right into our open and waiting arms. I hope you are right. I have learned that femalists are not the predictable creatures we wish them to be. This is true, Zitomira was a prime specimen of that, such guile in her. She could worm her way out of a firing squad. Have your spies stir up some trouble in tow. When my men arrive as peacekeepers they will gladly back our plan to overthrow Ares. His day of judgment is about to arrive for destroying our people. As you wish, General. I hope this plan of yours works and that the girl is grateful. Sin bowed and then disappeared into the night. Falser entered a moment later. Can we trust him? He seems to have his own agenda. He has his uses for now. Once we have control of the palace we can deal with those useless reptiles. Of course, General. The men will be prepared to move in the morning. Excellent, now leave me. I have things I must deal with. He motioned towards his concubines, beckoning them towards his bed. You may take Maria tonight for your good work, Falser. Be gentle with her. She likes to bite certain places if you are too rough. Falser chuckled but held out his hand as the beautiful redhead came to him, and they left the tent with her giggles filling the air. Avarina, my beautiful dark shadow, come to me. Show me how much you have missed me. Discia smiled in lust as he motioned to his remaining concubine, her chocolate skin glistening in the warm night air, and the scent of fragrant oils tantalized his senses. Varina smiled as she slid into his arms. Lin looked over the reports he had received and sighed. Trying to find and recruit those who had once served his prince was becoming frustrating. Most had turned to less than stellar ways of living and the few he would trust were missing or dead. He looked at the clock. His prince should be arriving soon to discuss with him his findings. Sighing he rose and headed for the east wing. He entered the room and laid the reports on the table. The air momentarily shuddered as the beat of leathery wings was heard, accompanied by the soft clicking of talons on marble floor. A few moments later the groans of transformation bounced off the walls as Ares returned to his true form. Ow. Sire, are you hurt? Lin looked at his master in alarm and raced over to take a look. It's nothing, I was careless and almost landed on a monster hunter from another land come to slay me. Ares shook his head and ignored the blood dripping from his arm as he reached for a towel to wrap the long gash in. It is not just nothing, my lord. Lin retorted curtly as he grabbed some salve and moved the towel out of Ares' reach and began working on the gash. Then what would you call a five feet tall man armed with a short sword and padded archer armor against? Well me. He hissed and glared at his friend as the salve was applied. It's no worse than when I was stabbed in the leg with a pitchfork for killing a cow. Lin glared at Ares. This is no joking matter, my liege. Do you wish to die a beast? He snarled as he finished the salve and firmly bound up Ares' arm. Ares looked shocked a moment and put his free hand on his hip. Lin, a little cut is hardly going to kill me. I've landed in trees that have done more damage than he did. You didn't fret this much when that happened. What's eating you tonight? Lin turned away and stomped over to the table where he had placed the reports. He fought for and regained his composure. I have been hunting for your loyal soldiers and they are in short supply. The few who could be trusted are dead or missing. And as for getting support from the villages, 
They have either forgotten you or do not care for corruption has filled them all and they now rule individually. If you want your kingdom back I'm not sure how it will happen. The same way my ancestors did, diplomacy and if necessary by force. Ares looked into the mirror a moment and sighed long and low. Force? Lin snorted. What force, my lord? We have no troops. No one will follow a beast. His voice dripped with bitterness. Once his liege had been revered, feared and respected. But those glory days were long past. Ares walked over and gently placed his hand on Lin's shoulder. We will manage Lin, you say the villages are full of corruption, yes? Then we can use that to our advantage. If we can keep even one village for now then we will have a foothold from which to work. They did not fear me before because of my looks or my physical ability but because of my mind. Trust me Lin, all will be well. Lin sighed. He had serious misgivings but kept them to himself. Miss Lalandra is recovering very well. She asked about her mystery visitor. I told her I did not know all your plans and was unaware of the identity of her nighttime visitor. She seemed disappointed but then recovered remarkably well when we went for a walk in the gardens. I'm glad that she is doing well. Ares nodded and smiled, turning away from Lin for a moment to don his robe, the light catching the scars that decorated his back from many battles, keeping his kingdom safe. I worry about her sometimes. There is a sadness she bears but I'm afraid to ask her. And she stops every time to stare at the black rose. Lin waited for Ares' instructions. Perhaps I should leave a specimen in her room then? One wonders what her reaction would be. Press her on why she seems sad. Sometimes you have to endure a bit of pain before you can truly see the extent of an old wound. Yes, sire. Now, here are the reports. I have ordered them from the most corrupt to the least corrupt, but that isn't saying much. I am also still attempting to locate your four loyal generals that are missing. Indeed, it is rather strange that all four would disappear like that. Thank you, Lin. I'll look over them this evening. See to it that the chessboard is set up tomorrow night. I have a feeling our guests may naturally know how to play. As you wish. Are you going to disturb her tonight? Lin asked. Ares thought for a long moment as he stared into the mirror. Yes, I believe I will, but not like this. I've noticed I'm getting a little shaggy in my other form. Tell me, is she any good with a brush and some scissors? I don't know, sire. I don't think I've ever asked. What do you have in mind? Lin gave him a sideways look. The prince's smile broadened as he turned to look at Lin. Something to ease her tension around me. Something to hint that this beast's bark is worse than his bite. He paused for a moment before finishing. A haircut. Lin gaped at him but then belatedly closed his mouth and cleared his throat. Of course, sire. Do you wish that to be the first thing she does in the morning after breakfast? Indeed, nothing better than a haircut and a bath. It'll give her a chance to also realize that the boa between my legs that she saw a few nights ago doesn't bite either. You jest now, but we shall see, my lord. I will continue to try to find your general's sire. They have to be somewhere. Lin shook his head. Thank you, Lin. That will be all for tonight. Hopefully all will go well tomorrow also. Lin left the reports on the table, gave Ares a bow and left his prince to his thoughts. Ares lifted the reports from the table and walked over to the balcony, reading by moonlight, thinking to himself as he read each one formulating various plans. The heat from the morning rays of the sun gently caressed Lalandra's skin waking her. She lay there rubbing the sleep from her eyes before realizing that she was sleeping later in the mornings than she used to on her father's farm. Of course at that time she had gotten up before even the rooster so that she could get all her chores done. She didn't miss the hard work or the pain her father had inflicted on her. He was once was a nice man but when her mother died, he had changed. She sighed as she rose and dressed in a simple, yet elegant yellow gown that complimented her skin and cheered her up. She would not think of such things right then. She was eager for breakfast and for another walk in the gardens. The sound of the door unlocking signaled the daily arrival of Lin with breakfast. There was something different this morning though, the air smelled of roses before he entered. As he entered and placed the breakfast-laden tray on the table, the light of the sun struck the thin crystal vase. Inside it was a single thornless black rose in partial bloom. Lalandra eagerly met him at the door but stopped as her gaze swung to the rose. For me? She gasped and reached out to touch it but at the last second snatched her hand back. Indeed my lady, the master thought that since you seemed so fond of them that you should be able to examine a specimen without the glass. Lin nodded, a slightly concerned look on his face. The master's roses had at one time been considered more valuable than gold itself. 
Lalandra blushed feeling chastised by the look on Lin's face. It wasn't that she didn't want the gift. No one had ever given her flowers before and she was embarrassed by her lack of experience in such matters. She carefully took the container and hugged it to her body, taking a moment to savor the unique smell of the black rose. Lin busied himself by laying out her breakfast and the supplies needed to check her almost completely healed wounds. He quietly cleared his throat and spoke as he worked. The master also has a request. He wants to know if you have experience with managing hair? Her head snapped up and she looked at him warily. I can manage my own decently enough. She replied not sure what he was asking her. It is, alas, not your own that he is inquiring about. There was a set of soft clinks as an elaborate grooming kit, suited for lengthy animal hair, was placed on the table. As part of your duties for the master he wishes you to groom him when need. This happens roughly every two to four weeks. Lalandra's eyes grew round in fear. She had to do some grooming on the horses but never had she been asked to perform the task for an intelligent talking beast. She trembled. What if she messed up? What if he hated the way she cut? Would she be punished? Would he rape her? Or worse, kill her? Yes, yes, sir. She stammered as her head dropped down, and she looked pointedly at her plate of food which was no longer appealing. Gently Lin placed his hand on her arm. His touch was calming and comforting. You need not worry nor call me sir, my lady. The master simply needs a trim, and has grown tired of the hands of an old man cutting off the excess length. Its main purpose is so that he dries quicker when it rains. He chuckled softly as he ate one of the thick pieces of toast on the plate. To be honest you could probably shave half him bald, trim the rest, and dye it pink, and I doubt he would care as long as he didn't need to shake himself dry for a couple of weeks. Lalandra looked at Lin then and a reluctant smile tugged at her lips. Her nervousness eased somewhat, and she began eating. I will try, she said after a few moments. How is the brand doing this morning? Any pain? He smiled and nodded once more, pouring a glass of juice and a cup of tea for her. No, it feels much better. I am sorry I will forever carry it but I am glad I will not be receiving any more from my father. She replied her voice going soft. Lin sat down by her and gently took her hand. The master and I are also glad that you won't receive any more like that. Now eat up. As soon as your meeting with the master is done, how would you like to explore the orchards? Perhaps even pick some apples? That sounds wonderful. She was still feeling afraid but she would do her best. After all, it was all she had to give. He smiled broadly and stood up, quietly walking towards the window and looking out over his master's kingdom, letting Lalandra finish her breakfast. On a day like this you could see all the way to what once was the heart of bandit country. Now all that remained of them were stragglers and remnants of their former glory. I am ready, Lalandra said, her voice breaking the quiet. She wasn't but the sooner they did this the better off she would be. Very well, my lady, your client awaits. He turned and motioned for her to pick up the grooming set before walking to the door and opening it for her with a flurry of grace. She held the tools to her chest and walked out into the hall. She followed him as he led her to a different wing of the palace. She hadn't been to this area before and she looked about curiously at the paintings and statues that filled the area. Each of the paintings was of a former monarch, a portrait done in oil paints or a sculpture done in marble. The last portrait and statue however were missing. She wondered about that but kept silent. Lin swung the wide doors open to reveal the beast hanging from the rafters, his eyes closed, his long leathery wings drawn around his body like a bat. Lin cleared his throat and the dark fur of the beast's face moved, revealing bright, piercing red eyes. His wings unfolded and he flipped down from his resting place landing on the flagstones with a thump and a loud clatter of talons. Straightening up he nestled his wings behind his back and nodded to Lilandra. Good morning Lilandra. Good morning sir. She stammered and backed up until she bumped against Lin. Her heart was racing and her eyes were fixed firmly on the beast's face. He was very hairy indeed. Ares slowly walked over to a stool placed in front of the balcony his wolf-like tail swishing back and forth slowly over the seat, as if dusting it, before sitting down. Begin when you are ready, take a moment to compose yourself and familiarize yourself with your tools. The wound on his arm was still visible, although it had begun to heal already. There is also a needle and some thread on the counter for when you are done. Needle and thread? She gazed uncertainly at Lin but his face was unreadable. Yes, sir. She said softly as she reluctantly came to the beast's side and sat the tools down on the table. Most of them were familiar. Two of them she had never seen and so she avoided them. Where do I start? 
she didn't want to begin grooming him in the wrong spot. The prince held out an arm and flicked out his claws with a graceful movement. You can start by filing down my nails and clipping off the rough points and edges. Make sure they are nice and smooth otherwise they start irritating their sheaths. How, how do I do that? She asked, still not looking at him. None of the tools looked like things to use on nails. Well, except maybe for the file. But he had also said she had to clip his nails. How in the world was she supposed to do that? Lin was by her side in a heartbeat and leaned down indicating the nail clipper. If I may, sire? The prince nodded slightly and Lin picked up the clipper and made sure Lelandra was watching as he clipped away the burrs that had developed as Ares' nails had grown. Once this was done, he took the file and wore away the rough edges till the nail was perfectly smooth. He handed her the clippers and file and smiled. Simple, my lady. Lelandra gulped and picked up the clippers and went to a claw and tentatively began clipping the nails. The prince sat in silence, breathing long and low. He watched the landscape outside and spoke softly, not moving in case he startled her. Did you enjoy the rose, Lelandra? She froze in the act of reaching for the nail file. Yes. Her voice trembled slightly but she grabbed the file and went back to working on his nails. He nodded now, the dark fur on his face curling into a smile that revealed a long row of razor-sharp fangs. That's good to know. A dog's bite isn't always as bad as his bark. She wasn't so sure about that but she finished first one claw then the remaining two. She had to admit his claws didn't look so threatening when filed and trimmed. Very good work, Lelandra. I assume you know how to trim and smooth animal hair, yes? The same as human hair except the brush is coarser. He lifted his claw up to admire her work and nodded in approval. Yes, sir, I do. She picked up the detangling comb and with trembling hands began working on his fur. She remained tense, just waiting for the moment when the beast would turn on her. Unexpectedly, he gently stopped her hands and held them, drawing them close to his face. Discard your fear, Lelandra. See that not all beasts are rough, horrifying animals with no compassion. Most are merely misunderstood, only knowing to follow their instincts, like the wolves in the forest when you were bathing. They only followed you because they reacted to your blood. She froze and stared at him. How had he known about that night in the forest? The only other person there had been the man who had taken her virginity. Unless this beast had been watching her even then. Her fear rose again but she managed to keep it off her face. Yes, sir. She replied meekly, only briefly looking up at him, and then away. He gently placed her hand upon his furry face, letting her feel its surprising soft silkiness. It wasn't rough like horsehair, but smooth like a wolf. How could I hurt a creature as kind and beautiful as you, Lelandra? This time she did look at him in surprise. He thought her beautiful. Maybe this beast had poor eyesight. Nay, I am not beautiful. She protested, a blush stealing across her cheeks. On the contrary, you remind me of my great Aunt Cecile. In her time she was said to be the kind of woman who men wrote songs about. I am sure that if bards still came to our lands then there would be entire symphonies honoring your beauty. Lelandra only laughed bitterly. She was not beautiful. She had seen beautiful. Her mother was beautiful but she was not. Her father had told her often enough. Why such bitterness in your laughter, Lelandra? One such as you should not feel something so negative. The piercing deep blues of his eyes met her in concern. I'm not beautiful. You must have poor eyesight. I have seen beauty and I do not have it. I am plain. She went back to untangling his hair and then brushed the strands smooth. Exactly, Lelandra. Plain is always the most beautiful of all. This time it was Ares' turn to chuckle at her words. He was crazy but she wasn't going to say that aloud. So she remained silent and groomed him. He felt quiet and settled for once more looking at the landscape as she worked over his lengthy fur. It took her several hours but then she was finished. She had combed out all the tangles and then cut it in such a way that it was out of the way and cooling him at the same time. Ares stood and walked slowly over to the full-length mirror, admiring her work. Very good, Lelandra. Your skills appear to rival even Lin's. I hope you enjoy your walk in the orchards today. She gave a sigh of relief, dropped into a curtsy, and then walked backward until she was beside Lin. The prince walked towards the large bay windows and spread his wings wide before launching himself into the air, the sound of his wings rumbling on the air. She watched him leave and then turned trembling to Lin. She wasn't sure if it was from fear or something else. Please, may we take that walk now? Of course, my lady, you have done well today. He seemed to enjoy that more than he usually does. 
He bowed his head slightly and gently took her arm in his leading her out of the master's chambers. The words brought little comfort to Lilandra. She was very confused. Later she would try and sort her feelings out. They walked in relative silence along the corridors, their footsteps echoing as each struck the marble floors. When they walked outside and the warmth of the sun touched her skin she relaxed. May I see the rose gardens? She asked timidly. As you wish, my lady. I will gladly show you them. When will the gardeners be back? Lalandra asked once she had taken a moment to breathe in the clean outside air. In a few days, they come only once a week, but they do an amazing job. Lin walked slowly with her, admiring the way the sunlight shone upon her face. The prince was right she was most beautiful. She felt so alone. What she really longed for was another woman to talk to. Most of her life she had been surrounded by males and the females she had encountered had been very spiteful to her despite her best overtures of friendship. He continued walking with her for a few minutes before clearing his throat and inquiring in a worried tone. Is there something wrong, my lady? You seem awfully quiet suddenly. I don't want to seem ungrateful but I need to speak to a woman. She admitted, her face red in embarrassment. Lin was taken aback by this and paused mid-step as he took this in. Oh, it's not ungrateful, my lady. It's just that there aren't any women who would willingly live around the palace with the master. Most think that they will perish in the night. The lander's expression crumpled. Is there no way for me to go into the village and speak with a wise woman? What would you need to speak of with a wise woman? His own expression was curious. I just need to speak to one, she said defensively. His tone reminded her of her father's voice. Her father used that same tone when she had gone to him frantic because she was bleeding from between her legs. She hadn't known that what was happening was a normal thing for a female. Her mother had died before telling her about such things. He nodded and smiled a bit. All right, would you like to go now or tomorrow? I believe we still have a few hours of daylight left. Can I please go now? She hated to beg but she really, really wanted to be around people other than the beast and Lin. Once more he nodded and steered them towards the coachyard. As you wish, my lady. I do hope nothing is the matter. I would hate to think that I have let you become ill. Lalandra felt guilt prick her conscience. It is nothing much. Just woman to woman things. She hastily reassured him. Of course, my lady. I would not dream to be able to tell you of such things. Lin of course did know he had been the aide to the former queen and birthed the current prince himself when the doctor had been unable to attend due to an epidemic in the city. But something now told him not press the issue with Lalandra. Lalandra gave him a grateful look and turned to face the coach that had pulled up in front of them. Finally, human companionship. She couldn't wait. He politely opened the door for her and helped her up the steps, making sure she didn't stumble or fall. Once he was sure she was inside, he climbed up onto the coachman's bench and twitched the reins, urging the horses into a gentle canter. On the way to the village, Lalandra's thoughts tumbled about. She had made a decision. She was going to run away from this place and go hide in some other village. Start completely over. She knew that even though the beast had let the mystery man take her virginity that didn't mean he wasn't going to force himself on her. The very thought was unbearable and frightening. She'd rather take her chances in a new place than risk her sanity and life with the beast. She would miss Lin and she was going to miss her mystery man but she wanted to live. So she was going to the wise woman to seek guidance. The carriage jolted and rocked as it headed along the corroded and worn road, the village coming into sight. Workers in the field shot frightened and angry looks at the carriage all of which Lin seemed oblivious to. Eventually the carriage entered the village and pulled up outside the cottage of the local wise woman. Lin hopped down and opened the door for Lalandra and held his arm out for her to take. Lalandra stepped out and shivered at the tension in the air and the angry glares from the few villagers who were watching them. She hurried by Lin and up the walkway to the door. She knocked timidly and almost jumped when the door was opened. Looking at Lin one more time she forced herself to be calm and went inside. The smell of incense and herbs assaulted her nose and she had to gulp to keep from being sick from the cloy smells. Ma'am, please, I seek your wisdom. She stammered. Ah, uh, yes, you would not be the first bride of the beast to come to me. Many came to get something to end their lives. Others came for something to end his. The woman cackled. She brushed back a strand of graying hair and looked at Lalandra. Lalandra gasped and backed up a step. The woman's left eye socket was empty and a jagged scar ran from the top of her forehead down to her cheekbone. Does my appearance frighten you? The woman asked casually. Yes. 
Lalandra had never been known for tact, a thing that had often gotten her into trouble. The woman laughed. Honesty, child, will get you everywhere. Remember that. Since you have been honest with me, I shall be honest with you. You wish to escape the beasts, correct? Yes, ma'am. I fear for my life. I have a way for you to flee it, but you must be fearless when the time comes. Do you think you can do that? Lalandra considered the woman's words. She didn't think of herself as a brave person, but for once, she truly believed she could be if it meant saving her life. Yes, ma'am, I can. Good, good. Come here. The woman turned from Lalandra and rummaged around in a wicker basket full of packets. She pulled out two and handed them to Lalandra. Listen carefully. The packet with the red string is for the beast. The one with the blue string is for the man who brought you here. When you are ready to flee, you must pour this in their drink. It will make them sleep for a full day. Then, and only then, will you be able to escape. Do you have a place to flee to? I had not really thought about it. I was going to the next village I could find. The woman shook her head. Listen to me. Make your way here and I will help you hide in a land where the beast holds no power. Lalander gave the woman a startled glance. A land the beast did not know. Was that even possible? She wasn't sure whether or not she believed that particular proclamation by the wise woman, but she was desperate, and anything right now was better than her other choices. She nodded, not trusting herself to speak. Very good then. I will be awaiting you. Now you had best go. The beast's servant is waiting. Lalandra nodded to the woman, and tucking the packets into her dress top she hurried back to the carriage and Lin. Lin watched a group of suspicious-looking men when the door opened, jolting him from his monitoring of them. When he glanced back, they were gone. Ah, my lady, success I trust? Yes, she was helpful. I feel better now. And this was true. Now that she had a definite plan of action, she did feel better. He nodded and once more opened the carriage door for her, helping her up into it before mounting the bench and setting off to the palace. Chapter 11 Confused Heart Diverse paths. Choices are made and kept. The ride back seemed long to Lilandra who was fretting over what to do. Now that she was out of the presence of the wise woman, she had doubts as to her next course of action. She didn't want to hurt the beast or Lin. She felt sick to her stomach with nervousness. She wasn't sure if she could do this. As the coach rumbled into the constantly deserted courtyard, a chill wind blew across the cobbles, causing goosebumps to rise along her skin as she stepped down onto the stones. She shivered and looked around guiltily before hurrying past Lin and into the building. She stood in the main foyer and forced herself to be calm. If she acted too scared Lin would question her to tell him and explaining was not an option. Lin quietly followed her indoors, shutting them behind him, sealing out the draft. It seems the year is moving on my lady. We will need to stoke the fire soon I fear. She jumped and then gave him a wan smile. Yes, a fire would be nice. She didn't add that she wouldn't be here for it. He nodded slowly and gently linked his arm in hers slowly making their way along the dark, shrouded corridors. As she passed the entrance to the east wing, the glint of something metallic in the distance caught her eye. She stopped in her tracks. What was that? She strained to see. Lin paused for a moment before pulling her along a little forcefully. It is nothing that you have need to see my lady, simply some relics from the past the master would prefer to forget. She looked at Lin in surprise when his grip tightened and she stumbled as he made her keep moving. What was he trying to hide? But then she felt ashamed. She was hiding things. She could not afford to be angry. She looked down at the floor, lest her face betray her thoughts. Lin was strangely quiet as he escorted her back to her room. When they were inside, he moved to the fireplace and began to stack the logs upon it needed to being a strong fire. Lalandra walked over to the window. She didn't say anything for a moment but then she spoke, her voice soft. Did you want to serve your master? Without missing a beat he spoke in a sincere tone. I was serving this family long before the master was born. I watched him be born and grow to the man he has become today. You speak of him with affection but if you care so much for him, why did you not stop him from harming other women? I have my reasons my lady and I shall stand by them until the day I pass. He struck the two lighting stones together, sending sparks into the kindling and alighting it. She shook her head and went back to staring at the window. She couldn't understand such loyalty. She couldn't stand by someone who caused death. Yet here she was. She was so confused. Once she got away from this place she could be safe and alive. 
with the fire now burning brightly, he stood up and quietly headed for the door. I must take my leave now, my lady, I hope you sleep well. The doors closed with an ominous creak, followed by the now common sound of the lock clicking into place. She walked to the closet and retrieved her nightgown. She took out the packets the wise woman had given her and placed them under her pillow. She changed clothes and slid under the covers. After several minutes she fell into a restless sleep. The sound of the lock turning into the open position pierced the crisp morning air. The scent of ash tinted the stagnant air, the fire having died hours earlier. As the door opened, the clink of crockery awoke Lalandra from her slumber. She roused slowly but then came fully awake when she realized that Lin was in the room. She tried to still her panic. Had he found the two packets? Good morning. She hoped her voice didn't sound strained. Lin sounded as jovial as ever as he began setting out her breakfast. Good morning, my lady, did you sleep well? Yes. Which was a lie. She hadn't slept well at all. But if she said as much then Lin would hound her into talking about it, and that was something she didn't want to do. I am glad, my lady. Perhaps you would like to tour the castle this day? We have not had the chance for some time. That would be fine. She came and sat down, and ate the prepared breakfast quickly. She looked at him and then at her nightgown, hoping he would take the hint and walk outside so that she could get dressed. Quietly tidying up, he picked up the tray, and left the room to give Lalandra a chance to get dressed. Once he was gone, she hastily dressed, put the packets inside her corset, and quickly brushed her hair. She knocked once on the door to let Lin know she was ready. The door opened and he offered her his arm. You look amazing this day, my lady. Thank you, sir. She nervously plucked at the emerald green dress. It wasn't too tight like some of the other dresses and breathing was easier. She wondered which part of the place they would see today. So far he had shown her the gardens and the west wing. That still left a lot of area to cover. Gently he began to lead her down an unknown corridor. It seemed to be more antique than the others and had more traditional decoration. Today I think we shall explore the south wing. It is the area of the castle dedicated to the master's parents. Her eyes widened but she said nothing. She did look about and take note of the route Lin was taking. As the pair progressed along there were paintings and tapestries portraying life before the dark days. Each was a grand piece of work that had taken weeks to complete. Lin described the events depicted in each. Lalandra was feeling overwhelmed. There was a lot of history in this place, and she could feel it pressing in on her. Almost as if those of the past were judging her. She felt the guilt return for what she was going to do to Lin. He had been a good friend to her, and to have to drug him pricked her conscience. Drugging the beast however did not bother her. It was he who was holding her captive. Gradually, the themes of the paintings and tapestries became darker and darker, descending into times of war and hatred. Finally, in front of them lay a great horizontal painting, at least twenty-five meters long. Its theme was the most gruesome and brutal of them all. It depicted a war zone. At the close end was a huge gorilla-like man leading an invasion force into the lands of the prince. At the far end were a regal pair, recognizable as his parents, but just barely, their faces were scarred and their hair matted with blood from the ferocious battles the days before. Lin seemed to gaze off as he recounted the memory of the day. This is the last day that I or the master saw his parents alive. This was their last stand against the invading hordes who wished to conquer this land. A tear came to his eye as he continued. I was there when they fell, fighting side by side with them, including the master. I held them in my arms as their life faded away. Their one wish was for me to look after their son no matter what the cost. I gladly accepted, for those who had given their lives for this land asked nothing but what truly matters. When their death became apparent to the master his grief was overwhelmed by his anger. An incredible rage overtook him and he fought harder than ever, tooth and nail. This inspired the others and brought courage to the troops. Even though terribly outnumbered, the sheer force of retribution drove back the hordes and the land was saved. He was a general then in the Great War? She was of course dimly aware of the war. Her mother had often spoken of it. Indeed, he was the leader of the former bandits. Their people however were scattered to the four winds decades ago. Who knows where they reside now? So the beast was human once? That I cannot say my lady, it has been too long to remember. Perhaps we should return, it is most likely near lunchtime and the master will surely be hungry this day. Hungry? She gulped. Would she finally be forced to dine with the beast? Until now she had eaten in her room or with Lin. Indeed, my lady, 
His appetite is not as frequent as humans, and so I will need the full time to prepare it, and an extra set of hands would be greatly appreciated. Of course. She stammered uneasily looking as if she were going to faint. With a questioning glance, he held his arm out for her. Are you all right, my lady? You look a little pale. I'm fine. Images of the beast ripping her to pieces and having her for a meal ran through her mind. She had to escape today. Waiting for nighttime was not an option. Lin nodded and slowly began walking back towards the entrance to the long corridor. So, did you enjoy our little excursion today? Yes, it was very informative. And it had been. She had learned some unknown history about their region. Her mother had always said knowledge was a good thing. A smile crossed his wrinkled features and he winked at her. Was I right in seeing a blush come across your cheeks when you saw the portrait of the master's father? While awaiting her answer, he slid the door to the kitchen back allowing the hot, slightly stuffy air to flow over them. Sir! She had blushed a little. The man had been handsome. He chuckled softly and motioned towards the cupboards. Could you get out the lard while I fetch the pans? She obediently brought out the lard and then hastily dumped the contents of the two pouches into it. Thankfully the powder was cream-colored and easily blended in with the mixture. She carried the jar over to the table. He put several large scoops of it into the pan and brought out three large slabs of beef placing them inside. As they began to cook, he hummed to break the silence. She watched him work and again the niggling of her conscience cried at her to tell him the truth. He sniffed for a moment, as if smelling something not quite right. Hmm, something doesn't seem right with these steaks. He bent over the pan, sniffing at the contents as he pondered what it could be that he smelled. She felt her heart race and then she hurried over. How often do you cook steaks? Is it every time he's hungry or is it a delicacy? She leaned forward and sniffed. Father would often make me cook steak. I would get beaten if they were cooked wrong. She unconsciously flinched at the memories. Almost every time he is hungry, my dear, there is little else with the toughness he prefers in his meals. Ah, I know what it is. His eyes lit up as he stood up and reached for a jar of spices, picking out various powders and granules, sprinkling each into the pan with care. The master likes his food to have a bit of fire to it. She belatedly realized she had been holding her breath. A bit of fire? Must be an in-town thing. On the farms we eat our food bland or plain. Lin looked shocked for a moment. Then you don't know what you are missing out on, my lady. Here. He placed a small packet of mixed spices into her palm. Try this with your next dinner. But be sure to bring a glass of water. Especially if you get it in your eyes by accident. It can cause horrible pain if it isn't washed out immediately. I can't. She started to hand it back to him. She was feeling like the worst of criminals for what she was going to do, Lin. Maybe the advice from the wise woman wasn't so, well, wise. No, no, my lady. I have plenty, and you look like you could use a bit of pep in your life. At worst you could use it to defend yourself against those horrid mongrels in town. She closed her palm around the packet and cradled it to her body. She would keep it and remember him by it. He was the only thing she would miss from this strange place. As the stakes came to readiness, he tipped them onto a large platter and with her help, loaded it onto a small wheeled cart. On the lower level, a jug of almost pitch-colored liquid swirled and bubbled. She said nothing as they headed toward the forbidden east wing. Her heart was racing and she only hoped that powders would do their work and put both the beast and Lin to sleep. She shivered as Lin knocked on the door and opened it. She stood as close to the door as possible. The deep rumbling voice of the beast could be heard as the door slowly swung open with an eerie silence. On time as always, Lin, my thanks. You're welcome. I thought maybe you and Miss Lalander would like to dine together. Lalander looked in Lin's direction and tried very hard not to panic. She couldn't dine with the beast. If she ate the food then she would fall asleep too. The prince shook his head and walked back towards the long table in his chambers. Not tonight, Lin. There's something that I wish to speak to you about. Of course. Shall I take Miss Lalander back to her room then? Ares nodded and slowly lifted the trays over to the table, setting them down at two places. That would be advisable. However, I think we should give her some leeway. She has grown fond of this place you have told me. So perhaps we should leave the door unlocked tonight. After all, even if she were to run, there is only the village and we know how they reacted to her selection, don't we? She didn't dare look at him so she kept her eyes on the floor. She could feel the heat of Lin's gaze on her as he pondered his prince's words. I agree, sir. She has earned the right to have some freedom. I will escort her to her room and then come back to you, sir. 
Ares nodded once more and waved his hand in dismissal before moving over to the window gazing at the mist-covered moors around the castle. Lin quickly took Lalandra back. Please, milady, keep to the paths you know and don't stray too far. Evening is approaching and I wish to find you safe when I come to check on you later. Yes, Lin. She replied meekly as she entered her room and watched as the door closed. She would wait two hours and then make her escape. Lin returned to Ares' chambers. My prince, why the decision to give her such freedom? Ares smiled and winked at his friend. By doing this we will gain her trust more fully, and she will be more likely to break the curse. Now my friend, let us dine on this fine meal you have prepared. Lin smiled as he sat. It is has been a while since we've dined together. And it is an excellent idea. I fear earning her trust will be hard. She did not have an easy life and that father of hers did a lot of damage to her emotions and body. Indeed, but all things come to pass with time and patience. Ares lifted the lid from his tray and breathed deep the wide array of tantalizing scents that wafted up from his meal. Ah, uh, as fine as always, Lin. Lin grinned as he sat aside his own much smaller portion. He began eating, savoring the taste of the meat. He had to admit that it tasted even better than usual. The prince rapidly devoured the platter with his usual lack of grace, the room filled with the sounds of meat being torn to shreds for a few minutes. Lin was immune to the sight though he did remember with a grimace how it had disgusted him when he had first seen it. He had long ago lost such reactions and settled into the patient person he was. His prince needed him. That was all that mattered. Ares finished with a flourish of his fangs and an appreciative belch. The air strongly scented with the spices that had accompanied the meal. However, there was something else there now, something he hadn't noticed at first. As the he began to sniff the air, the room began to spin before him. Ares? Lin asked, rising quickly from his seat when Ares swayed on his feet. He started to move closer but the smell in the air was funny, and he felt lightheaded. My prince. He gasped as he collapsed to the floor unconscious. The last thought he had was that no one was going to be around to protect Lalandra. The prince roared loudly in rage as he realized he had been drugged. His body was resisting, but it was a losing battle. Gradually, he fell to his knees, then to his face upon the floor. Lalandra anxiously paced about, every so often checking the time. When it was exactly two hours after Lin had left her, she ventured out of her room and went back to the beast section of the place. She pushed open the door and froze as her eyes took in the scene. Lin was asleep on the floor as was the beast. She couldn't believe the wise woman's stuff had worked. She let out a hysterical laugh and ran back to her room. She stuffed a dress and several pairs of pants and shirts into a sack. She regretfully slid the satin slippers off her feet and put on a pair of sturdy winter boots. Without a backwards glance she ran from her room to the stables. She quickly saddled a horse, swung up into it, and made her escape to the town. She had to get to the wise woman and then from there go into hiding where the beast would never find her. In the dead of night, not far from the town, the sound of hoofbeats pierced the night, but not the regal beat of a palace horse. The tempo suggested something bigger, stronger and far more volatile. As the horses came into view it was clear that they were war horses. Their course was headed straight for the village. Sin and his group of warriors followed not far behind the humans. The girl was not to be harmed but these men were not the most trustworthy. He didn't know why Discius had hired these lowlifes. Hissing orders he sent his men into the surrounding forest. If the human female had done as Discius ordered then the girl would be coming into their trap tonight. The horses came to a stop around the rear of the wise woman's shack. The mercenaries dismounted and unceremoniously hammered on the door for a moment before it was opened, revealing the wise woman. We've come for the girl. She's not here yet. But she will be soon. You must get out of sight. She will spook if you are in here. The man growled at her in annoyance, but did as he was instructed, stepping back outside and leaning against the back wall. It didn't take long for Lalandra to arrive in the village. She uneasily noticed that none of the people would look at or even acknowledge her. She urged the horse toward the outskirts where the wise woman lived. She slowed the horse to a walk and dismounted at the walkway. Ma'am. I'm here. She called softly as she knocked on the door. The door opened and wise woman ushered her inside. It took you long enough. I was beginning to think you didn't have it in you. Lalandra looked at her feet and didn't reply. That's all right, dear. The woman patted her on the back. I promise that your new life will be so much better. The back door burst open to reveal the unpleasant mercenary. 
When his sharp eyes laid upon Lalandra a filthy grin spread over his face. He moved towards her with a saunter in his step, his tight pants already showing what was on his mind. This the girl? Damn she is pretty. I bet she's just aching for a real man after all that time with that beast. Lalandra stumbled backward, her eyes wide in shock. Her confusion showed as she glanced from the wise woman to the man. What is this? It's your destiny. You want it to be free. This is the only way. Trust me, child. Who would you rather have you? A filthy beast whose cock will kill you or a real man's dick that will give you pleasure and not steal your life. Neither. Lalandra cried and ran for the front door. The mercenary moved quickly though, grabbing her long hair and dragging her backwards. Yeah, that's right. I like my women to be feisty. He dragged her outside, heading for a low bench in the backyard, taking off his belt. For the next hour, bitch, you are mine. Then my buddy is gonna have you, then his buddy, then his buddy's buddy. All the way till every man in this county is satisfied. No. She screamed and frantically struggled, trying her best to scratch his face, hoping that he would let go of her long enough for escape. Her scratching only enraged him, his hand raising back to strike her. But instead of a blow, his face contorted in agony, and he brought his arm round, his hand replaced now by a bloodied stump. Behind them the distinct low menacing, unforgiving growl of Prince Ares was heard. Lalandra stared at the bloody stump and a scream died in her throat. Her eyes were on the beast. She could hear the shouts of the man's friends as they came charging from their hiding places. Sin and his men watched from the forest, not making any move to help the humans. Instead they watched the beast intently. Sin knew they would meet again, and he wanted to learn his opponent's movements. The lead mercenary's chest promptly exploded as a huge claw erupted through him, coating Lalandra in a flood of fluids. The beast spun around and launched himself towards the next opponent, raking his talons down his face and chest, leaving huge gouges in their wake. His free hand shot out and grabbed his colleague, promptly tearing his throat out with his razor-sharp fangs. The fourth mercenary was already leaping towards him with his sword raised when Ares set his eyes on him. Moving swiftly, he caught the man by the legs and with incredible strength, yanked his body back the way it had come and slammed him down onto the cobble with a bone-crushing crunch. Ares spun and swung the Mai again like a rag doll, smashing him into the wall of the stone shack, then onto the ground once more. This process was repeated several times until the man's body was crumpling in places no human body should under any circumstances. By now the final mercenary had turned tail and was headed out across the fields into the mists. Ares moved in a blur, upon the man before he had a chance to look back. His scream pierced the night air as Ares thrust both of his claws inside the man's chest before lifting up into the night air. Once airborne, he hauled his arms outwards, the mercenary bursting open above Lalandra, his entrails showering down upon her and the surrounding courtyard. Lalandra stood there shivering, her fear too great. She just knew he was going to kill her too. Entrails and body parts were all around and on her. She didn't even try to wipe any of it off. What was the point? He was going to rip her apart for running away. The beast landed a few feet in front of Lalandra and roared at the top of his lungs, the air vibrating with the power of his rage. He stalked towards Lalandra, each thunderous step cracking the cobbles beneath him such was the force of his focus. As he neared, his monstrous member snaked out of his pants, writhing in the air, eager for its prey. However, he did not attack Lalandra, no, his target was instead another. Lalandra could only watch as he smashed down the door to the shack. Seconds later the wise woman screamed as she was mounted and maimed by the prince. The last sounds of the night were her gurgling last breaths of death. It was the sight of his member, and hearing the wise woman dying gurgles that finally broke her paralysis. With a moan of horror she turned and ran to the horse, haphazardly mounting it. She kneed the terrified horse and raced off down the road with Lalandra clinging to his back. The prince took to the air as he heard the horse galloping away, heading straight for Lalandra, his eyes a fiery red as he descended upon her, arms ready. As he swooped down from above, he grabbed her around the body and lifted her up onto her air, wheeling round and heading back towards the palace. His breath was hot on her neck and his fur deeply matted with the blood of those slain this night. She didn't make a sound when he lifted her into the air. Instead she closed her eyes and prayed that her death would be swift. All the fight had gone out of her. She wanted it to be over. A few minutes later they landed in his chambers and he released her from his arms while stalking around her. I take you from your life of slavery and give you one of luxury. I feed you, clothe you, and give you a grand roof over your head. 
I have you checked on every day, given guided tours and even let you roam as you please around my mansion and this is how you repay me. Ares was snarling now, his anger was rising again, and he felt insulted by what she had attempted to do this night. He stepped close his fangs bare and stinking of death. Well? She stood there cowering. This was worse than dealing with her father. Her guilty conscience was yelling at her. Whatever words she would have said lodged in her throat as she began to sob. She was such a fool. A naive stupid fool. His temper seemed to fade a moment, and he sighed before turning away from her. Although I do not blame you for wanting to leave. There have not been many who have been able to see past my appearance. After all, who could care for a beast like myself? She glanced at him then, tears still rolling down her cheek. The hurt in his voice hit her hard and she took a step toward him and froze. She wanted to comfort him but she didn't have the right. She had caused his pain. As he walked over towards Lin, he winced as his leg gave out from him a moment. A small river of blood was dripping off him. It was not a serious injury, although it would cause him some inconvenience for a few days. Lilandra saw the gash. You're hurt. She cried and ran over to the water basin. She grabbed a towel, dipped it into the water and hurried over to the beast. She dropped to her knees and wrapped the towel around his leg. He tried to play it off as nothing more than a scratch, more concerned for his friend. It is nothing, I will recover fine. I cannot say the same for Lin. I do not know when he will awaken, if he ever does that is. If he doesn't wake, what will you do with me? She dropped her hands to her side, her head bowed as she awaited his decision. I will train you to take his place. However, I strongly doubt he will pass on. He will however require some extra assistance till he fully recovers. Yes, sir. She paused. The wise woman said that if I gave you the powder you would only sleep and then awaken hours later. It wasn't supposed to harm either of you. She also promised you a better life, did she not? He winced as he moved once more, lifting Lin in his claws and gently placing him upon the bed. There is a cot set up in the corner that Lin would use when I was ill in my youth. You may use it until he awakens. She stood. Yes. She told me she could get me some place far away that even you could not find. I was afraid of you and... She gulped. The mating you would make me have. I thought only of escape. Well, now you know better, don't you? The medical supplies are in the closet beside the bed. I am going to bathe and get rid of this blood before the stench is permanent. Do not try to run again. I don't want to have to kill more kidnappers. With that said, he moved out of the door and headed down the hallway, limping with each step. She didn't even ask him if she could get cleaned up. She looked at her bloodied clothes and hair that was matted with the pieces of flesh from her would-be kidnappers. She rummaged in the medicine cabinet and took out some items. She examined him carefully, but he was not injured. When he didn't awaken immediately, she dozed off. An hour went by and she was startled awake by a groan. Lin? She asked as she rubbed at her eyes and waited for him to fully wake. His head lulled to the side and his eyes fluttered open a fraction. His vision swam before him, the room spinning like a gyroscope. Another groan came from his lips as his drug-fogged mind tried to form the words his heart yearned to say. Ares. Must help him. Ares? Who was Ares? She gently pushed Lin back down. No, you mustn't get up. The drug is passing through your system. You must give it time. The master, Prince Ares, the woman she, drugged him. I have to, make sure he's fine. His vision was somewhat improving. He could just make out the outline of the person in front of him. Prince? Yeah, right. There was no prince around here, unless Lin meant the man who had taken her virginity. She stared at him in shock. She had made love to a prince? A blush stole across her face as she dabbed a cloth on Lin's forehead. His eyes slid closed again, the drug mercifully dragging him back into unconsciousness once more. Please find him. I will Lin. She made the promise but she wasn't sure how she'd go about it. Chapter 12 Lilandra had fallen asleep again. Her dreams were plagued with such nightmares that she came abruptly awake, a scream lodged in her throat. Not real. She muttered before getting up to check on Lin. A cough broke the silence as Lin stood behind her, sitting on a chair in the shadow of the doorway. It does not do well to trust the village midwife on matters other than birth, does it my lady? She stumbled back and barely managed to keep herself from landing on her butt. You scared me. She glared accusingly at him though she was relieved he was alive and well. That was the point. 
I believe that somewhat repays the debt for drugging me, my lady. He slowly rose from the chair obviously struggling with the lingering after affects of the drug he had been given. You are fortunate the master is not affected by such things for long. She looked at the floor then, guilt returning. I'm sorry. It was wrong of me. I, I was afraid. It is all right. Few do trust the master. His appearance is quite shocking most of the time. Perhaps you could do me a favor and help me back into bed. I do not feel entirely well. She hurried over and let him place his arm over her shoulders. Together they made it to the bed. She pulled the covers back and helped him lie down. She startled when the clock chimed midnight. It didn't seem like it should be that late. As the clock rung out its hours, Lin let out a soft groan. The master would be changing back now, and usually he would be in the mood for a bath. He hoped he would not be disappointed, given the circumstances. Are you all right? Worried that he was more hurt by the drug than he was admitting, she checked his forehead for signs of fever. He didn't feel warm. He shook his head, gently taking her hand. It's nothing. Just felt a little dizzy for a moment. Could you perhaps fetch me a glass of water, my lady? She looked around and picked up the pitcher. It was empty. I'll be back. There is no water in this. Nodding, he watched her head for the door, noting her light steps, and sat in silence as it clicked into place. It was not long before the silence was broken by the sound of the handle turning once more. The footsteps were different, heavier this time, the telltale sign of his master. Lalandra hurried to the kitchen, refilled the pitcher and grabbed a second one, filling it as well. She had much to atone for and knew that no matter what she did, the choice she'd made would haunt her. On her way out she snagged a loaf of bread. Thoughts about what to do to be forgiven were foremost on her mind as she entered the room and stopped. The man who had taken her virginity was standing next to the bed, speaking quietly to Lynn. The pair did not notice Lalandra at first, their voices hushed. My prince, are you sure you are all right? You were limping when you came in. I am more concerned about you, old friend. You will be off your feet for a few days yet. She knew it. The man from the forest was a prince. Now she was more confused. How had the prince gotten hurt? Maybe he had run into the wolves in the forest. Or perhaps something else had happened. She shifted and her hip bumped against the table. She winced when it creaked. Ares turned and glared at the noise. He relaxed when he realized it was Lalandra. Ah, uh, my lady, I was just saying good evening to Lynn after checking on his health. But I fear I must return to work. Good night, my lady. He began walking for the door, his limp pronounced. She stared at his leg, her mind stirring. The injured leg was important but she couldn't remember why. You are hurt. Let me help you, my prince. Awkwardly she attempted to curtsy. He waved dismissively. No you need not curtsy. I am no real prince. A prince of the forest perhaps, but nothing more. I will be fine. It's just a scratch from driving off wolves from the stock in the fields. He paused as he remembered to feign surprise at her appearance. By the gods. What happened to you? You look as if you've slept in a slaughterhouse. She turned red and looked away. It was a slaughter. She mumbled. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm being ungrateful. I will get clean as soon as I'm allowed to. Lin chose to intervene, hoping to give his master time to disappear. It's all right, my lady. I believe I will be fine while you bathe in the master's bath next door. I can personally assure you he will not mind. Thank you. With another awkward curtsy she set the pitchers and bread down and hurried through the door Lin pointed at. Ares turned to Lin bowing respectfully. I believe I owe you yet another debt of gratitude, old friend. Thank you. Now I must take my leave, the night wears on and I have little time left. Be careful, my prince. I do not know what to make of her now. I did not think she had it in her to attempt to harm us. I am sorry my judgment was flawed and my belief in her misplaced. Ares frowned. I do not believe she meant us harm. If she had, would she not have slain us as we slept? Giving Lin a subtle wink, he left, his boots echoing in the quiet night air. Lin pondered Ares's words. Though he had told Lalandra everything was fine, it was not. His trust and respect for her were shaken. He should have known that she was like the others. Unable to see past her own nose, worried only about herself. No, he would watch her carefully and be more vigilant. Ares must continue to live. He was not about to let a slip of a young woman kill his prince and friend. Sin and his men left the forest taking a little used trail to bring them to the predetermined meeting spot. 
he stepped into the center of the ring of rocks and patiently waited on General Decidius. He wanted to report and be on his way back to the remains of the mercenaries. His men were hungry, and so was he. Decidius quietly walked out of the shadows, the moonlight glinting off the various pieces of metal that lined his armor and weapons. He checked the clearing, clearly displeased when he did not see what he sought. My prize? Lost. The men you hired were destroyed by the beast. Decidius raised an eyebrow glaring at his reptilian ally. And yet you somehow managed to escape and scathe. We did not attack. Your mercenarius refused our help. So we only watched and learned. The beast is not invincible. He can be killed. Sin hissed in pleasure at the thought of ripping into the winged beast. He was sure it would be very tasty. A low growl came from Decidius as he advanced on Sin, easily lifting him from the ground in the iron grip of his hands. I give you a simple task. Bring the girl to me, and you watch? Sin hissed low and threatening. His men slithered from their spots and surrounded the general. I suggest you put me down or my malice will feast on your flesh. From the shadows farther into the forest came the distinctive clicks of crossbows being loaded. The general pulled him in close, his breath hot on Sin's scales. Find her, do not fail me this time. Or else you and your friends will become a throw rug from my tents. The gathered lizards hissed their anger but at Sin's nod they backed down. It shall be as you command, general. Good. He dropped him, glared for emphasis, turned and headed back into the shadows of the forest. Sin picked himself up and headed in the opposite direction, his men following silently behind him. Lalandra finished washing and climbed out of the bath, thankful that it had running water. It was the one thing she had hated the most about living in the forest. No city conveniences. Everything had to be hand-carried and when you had two vain sisters-in-law who insisted on taking a bath daily it became tedious and aggravating. She looked around and spotted a towel end. She would have to use it until she could get back to her own room and get proper attire. A sense of contentment stole over her and she began to sing. My love, one heart. My soul, never part. To caress, to hold. To dare, be bold. My love, my life. My hand, your wife. To dream, to please. To protect, with keys. My love, so sacred. The sound of wings beating the air was heard. Moments later, Prince Ares, in beast form, swooped onto his balcony, shaking his fur dry from the snowstorm that had begun outside. Lin walked quietly over to his side and inclined his head toward the bathing room. He was mesmerized by Lalandra's voice, surprised that she could sing and do so beautifully. Ares looked at his servant a moment, then his gaze followed. His ears listened intently to the song that was being sung from the other room. Quietly, he took slow steps towards the door, his talons clicking lightly upon the flagstones. My body is yours. My love, open doors. To love, to touch. Give kisses so much. Hold me, feel free. Trust me, please see. Dance here, lead you. Forever mine, yes, true. She finished drying off her body and hair. Wrapping the towel around her hair and up into a twist until she could find a brush, she donned the robe, tying it tight. Stealing herself, she gathered up the ruined clothes and reached for the doorknob. He took a step back from the door, quicker than he intended, his talons clattering loudly upon the cold flagstones. She heard the noise and froze. Her heart thumped hard in her chest. But when it didn't happen again she opened the door and went still. The beast was back and Lynn next to him. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid, she kept telling herself over and over. Ares cocked his head to the side, looking intently at her, as if predicting her worth at market. You have the voice of an angel, my lady. I am most impressed. You heard me? She was embarrassed by the thought. She hadn't realized she was singing that loudly, and why did he think she had a beautiful voice when he knew it wasn't true? Maybe it was his beast nature that kept him from hearing how bad she sounded. I am not that good. How is your leg? A change of topic would be safer. He turned away from her his wings folding neatly behind his back. It will be fine in a few days, a minor inconvenience. As for your singing, I have excellent hearing. I would be able to hear you clearly even if you were whispering one hundred paces away. This bit of news made her afraid. Just how much did he hear then when she was in her room alone? Terror gripped her but she kept her expression blank. That is interesting. Lynn cleared his throat. Maybe you should escort Miss Lalanda back to her room. Ares considered this for a moment, the air seeming to grow colder as he did so and nodded. 
Very well, it has been some time since I have wandered through my own halls. He held his wing out for Lalandra to take, waiting patiently. She looked at him and nervously put her hand on it, the soft feel of the wing surprising her. From a distance it had looked scaled. It was interesting to learn the texture was more feather-like. He changed his mind, his wing coming free, fluttering briefly before joining the other one to settle down on his back. He extended a hairy claw and gently wrapped her wrist in its soft, downy warmth. They began the quiet walk back to her rooms. She walked ramrod straight. Fear made her breathing harsh. She didn't quite trust Lin about them forgiving her. She had almost killed them both and if she were in their place, seeking retribution would be first on the to-do list. The only sound as they walked along the corridor was the distinct clicking of Talon and the deep breathing of the beast, clouds of steam flowing from his nostrils in great bouts, as he took each breath. It's gotten colder. She shivered. It didn't seem like she had been here long but it was almost the winter season. That meant she had been here five long months. Surprisingly the beast had only made the one attempt at her body. He nodded to himself, deep in his thoughts. This close to him, the sounds of his wild member could be heard stirring inside his pants. If she were to take the time to look down, she would also see it moving like a python beneath the material. She heard the movement, and kept gazing straight ahead. She wouldn't have anything to do with his penis, not even if he put a bow around it to make it look better. He would tear her apart with it. And she'd rather live. He looked over to her a moment. It moves only because it senses your fear. If you do not fear it then it will not harm you. They were at her door, and she pulled away from him. How can I not fear it? She blurted out, her gaze on his face. A face that wasn't human but animal, with long fur and a muzzle that barely concealed sharp teeth. The same way that you do not fear a hungry wolf. If you show it kindness and feed it then it will not harm you. His hand rested heavily on her shoulder. The wake froze her in place. Her green eyes wary and uncertain. Wolves and those who act like them have always given me reason to fear. Then you know not what it is like for the wolf. Hunting out of need each night, being hunted by farmers and skinners. Torchlights instinctively bringing fear. He sounded like he knew those feelings. But then he would know, he was the beast and was hated. She looked at him and felt a curious flutter in her heart. You're right, I don't know. Her expression softened. As they arrived at the door to her room, he swung it open in silence, gently pushing her inside. The door will be left open, but you've had a long day. Get some sleep. Sir. She started to say something but then shook her head and went inside. Aries sighed softly and turned, walking away towards the main hall. Deciding differently he turned off into a side gallery with the words private stamped above the door. Lalandra replaced the robe with a long velvet red nightgown. The chill seemed to lessen and grateful she put on some slippers. She eyed the open door and made a choice. She would never know anything if she didn't start paying attention. Silently she left the room and began to explore. Two hours later she stood at the foot of the stairs that led to the forbidden wing. Curiosity got the best of her. Ascending the stairs she paused. A moment of misgiving but then she carefully opened the door and slid inside staying in the shadows. In front of her, as if by magic, the light sprang to life at her presence. The next flared brightly a second later, followed by another and still others all the way along and around the huge amphitheater-styled room. In the center of it, visible from the balcony she had walked onto, was a tall metallic spire. The sight was breathtaking and humbling. She felt small compared to the majestic feel of the room. Why would Lin forbid her from seeing this place? Thoughts on why were considered and discarded. There was no reason for being denied entrance to this area. As she cast her eyes around the room pieces of charred, dented and damaged armor caught her gaze. Vividly colored tapestries stood beside them, various forgotten noble houses of the realm. However, if she concentrated for a moment, she could almost feel a sense of foreboding about the spire in front of her, as if something horrific had happened. There was evil here. She knew how that felt. It was the feeling she got whenever her father had been about to hurt her or when one of the men in town was thinking of forcing their unwanted attentions upon her. The spire was death. Suddenly she felt as if she couldn't breathe. Spinning around she hurried toward the door. The hulking form of Prince Ares however blocked the doorway. A deep, menacing growl came from his throat, showing his growing rage. How dare you! Lalandra stumbled back a cry on her lips. Please! She stammered as she tripped over her feet in her hurry to escape him. He stalked forwards with a hunter's grace, his talons clicking with a terrifying precision with each step.
His wings spread outwards instinctively, and his claws look strangely sharper than usual. I lay down simple rules for you to follow. Do not enter this wing. Yet somehow that thick head of yours could not contemplate that fact. Perhaps I should teach you the consequences of coming in here. Giving a fearful squeak as he roared the last words, she dove to the left around him and ran out the door. She didn't scream but her harsh breathing was heard in the silence as she fled blindly from the castle and into the forest. Her foremost thought was to live. Lin had made his way from the master's chambers to the kitchen and was on his way back when he heard hurried footsteps. He stopped and turned to the east wing when he saw Lalanda run by him. He called out to her but she didn't hear him as he watched her disappear around the corner. With a worried look he made his way to his master. Sire? Peering about in the darkness he didn't see Ares and his worry turned to alarm. A deep growl came from Ares once more, his eyes gleaming in the dim light. She knows too much Lin. I'm afraid it may be too late for her now. Lin's expression was grim. What did she see? Did she touch anything? I found her inside here. There is nothing more that needs to be said. He walked over to the tall windows, leaning on the strong railings. Find her Lin. Find out what she knows and bring her back here. Sire, as much as I'd like to obey your orders, I don't believe I should be the one to do this. It is your rule she broke and I have not completely recovered from the drug in my system. I would never be able to catch or track her. Ares' eyes slitted and he tried to glare at Lin but found he could not. He was right after all. Ares had made the rule to ensure the curse would not be violated. He should be the one to find her and bring her back. To find out the truth of what she knew. The conditions of the curse were already broken. He would stay a beast forever. He turned without a word and moved with surprising silence along the hallway, exiting through the nearest doorway and taking to the skies. Lelandra ran until she tripped and fell face first into a thorny bush. It took her a few minutes to extract herself. She felt the blood running from the scratches, her breathing hard. She tried to calm down. Why had she run? She wasn't sure only that the beast had scared her badly with his ferocity. She didn't know if she wanted to go back or take her chances in the forest. Rising slowly she continued farther into the woods. Sin and his men watched from the trees. The young woman was beautiful. No wonder Decidius wanted the lass. She was stunning. At the moment she didn't look at with the scratches but when cleaned up, well that was another matter entirely. Hissing softly the lizard men agilely climbed the branches as they got into position to capture the unsuspecting woman. Ares soared through the dusk skies, his eyes searching the forest with sharpness, hoping to catch a glimpse of Lelandra. The forest was a dangerous place for those without unique gifts. For mere mortals the forest was a death wish come to life. Hearing a faint rustling to her left, she froze, her heart racing. Please, let it not be wolves. Fleeing into the forest had not been such a good idea after all. Cautiously she started forward again. Sin gave the signal and the men dropped from the trees easily surrounding the female. Sin hissed in pleasure when she fearfully screamed. You will come with us. He ordered. Lelandra spun around and counted the creatures. There were seven and they looked like the lizards on the farm, only bigger and much more dangerous. Let me pass. She tried to sound regal but her voice quavered. Sin shook his head, his tail whipping out to wrap around her. Ignoring her screaming, the group began walking deeper into the forest. She attempted to struggle but every movement hurt as Sin's tail constricted in warning. Finally she gave up and settled for screaming in the vain hope that someone would hear her. Sin ignored her cries. He felt the vibrations of the approaching local wolf pack. Hissing irritably, he and his men drew out their knives and spears ready to battle the animals for their captive. Ares's sensitive hearing picked up the piercing screams of his runaway female. He swooped to the right, diving low above the trees to quicken his pursuit. Suddenly the wolves sprang from hiding and the men began striking out but the wolves were hungry and aggressive and the battle was violent as two lizard men went down under the snapping, salivating jaws of the pack. Kill them now! Sin yelled as his talons sank into a wolf pulling it brutally apart. A dark shadow passed over the group as the swoop of leathery wings was heard. The group trembled as the prince landed. A low growl of territorialism came from when he spotted the group. You! Sin growled, his fangs lengthening. She is ours, you cannot have her! Casually he swatted aside a female wolf that leaped at him. Lelandra squeaked in relief. He was here. She would be safe. The wolves still crouching in the shadows snarled at the beast even as they began advancing on him, bringing the number of the pack to fourteen. Six wolves lay dead nearby. 
Ares glared and flexed his claws, his own fangs glinting in the darkness. Well, well. I've been looking for a new rug. He snarled at Sin, daring him to challenge him. Put the girl down and let's finish this. I think not, beast. Sheesh is my prey. Find your own. A wolf slunk closer to Ares, intent on taking a bite out of him. Ares turned to the wolf, barking out a warning before returning his attention to the lizard. He was curious how Lin would like him carved up for dinner tonight. The wolf disregarded the warning and launched itself onto Ares's back, clawing and snapping as it attempted to rip into his skin. He flinched as the wolf's claws sliced his skin and wings. Reaching back, he grabbed the beast and tossed it to the side, moving forward towards Sin, hoping to end the fight before the wolves proved to be a distraction. The wolf hit a nearby tree with a thud, falling to the ground unmoving. The other wolves howled and slunk closer, some of them taking on the lizard men and the others heading for Ares who posed the bigger threat. Lalandra kicked wildly, hoping to distract the lizard into dropping her. Look out! She cried, fear almost closing her throat as five wolves rushed the beast. Ares swatted the wolves away from him. However, he was forced to stop as three leaped at him, sinking their fangs and claws into his flesh once more. Let me go! Please, we have to help him! The wolves grew frenzied in their attack at the smell of blood. The pack took down two more of Sin's males, leaving only four. Sin debated his next move. He could leave with the girl, but something about her made him want to honor her pleas. What to do, what to do, he mused. Ares slashed one of the wolves, splitting it neatly in two. The second he chose to throw towards the other who was advancing on him. To dislodge the third he flapped his wings with a grunt, sending the last one tumbling across the ground. Sin issued a series of hisses, and instantly his men backed away from the wolves and disappeared into the woods. Sin watched Ares for a long moment, and then set Lalandra on her feet. I leave you to your fatus. With an incredible leap and twist he was airborne and landing in a tree. He threw Ares a mocking salute and vanished into the foliage. Ares quickly moved towards her, keeping himself between her and the wolves. What did I tell you about running off into the woods at night? Asari! Look out! A wolf sprang at them and behind it for more. Ares slammed his fist into its body, sending it sprawling across the ground. He was forced to take a step back as the last four dove at him, his wounds bleeding heavily now as their sharp fangs and claws cut him. She didn't even think about what she was doing. He was hurt, the wolves scared her, and she didn't want him to die. Deep inside her a fire blazed up and the heat scorched her very nerves, pulling a scream of pain from her right before four lines of fire erupted from her hands, hitting the ground, and racing toward the wolves who were oblivious to their impending deaths. The first line of fire struck the lead wolf, setting its fur ablaze. Its dying howl of agony filled the air and was joined by three more. The wolves fell off Ares and fell to the ground writhing before going still. With the exertion of fighting off the wolves and the massive blood loss, Ares swayed as the wolves turned to charred corpses. His legs gave way beneath him and he toppled over, crashing face first into the ground. The silence was instant and unnerving. The pain stopped, and she sank to her knees gasping in shock. What had just happened? Beast? Beast? She crawled to him and timidly reached a hand out to him. Nothing was heard from him at first, but after a few moments, deep breathing could be heard in his massive chest. His wounds were slowly beginning to close, although it would be several days until they were fully healed. She touched him and recoiled when the sticky blood coated her hand. She burst into tears. This is all my fault. I, I was afraid. Please, please don't die. She frantically looked about. Help! Someone help me, please! Don't fret, child. You can help him. Just believe in yourself and imagine in your mind's eye where you wish to go. Lalandra looked around. She didn't see anyone but the voice was female, and very clear to her. Gently she cradled the beast's head in her arms, closed her eyes and visualized the layout of his room and Lin. She didn't notice the change of scenery, nor did she glimpse Lin's startled look. The tiredness overtook her, and she passed out on top of Ares. Chapter 13 My lord! Miss Lilandra! Lin ran over to them and cried out in dismay as he glimpsed Ares's wounds. No, no! Roughly he pulled her off Ares's body. He could tell that the bites were from wolves. It meant that his prince would be hurting for a long time as the wounds healed. It took him several minutes to move Ares closer to the window and toward the light. Rushing from the room he headed for the kitchen where he snatched up towels and boiling water and hurried back. 
Lelandra groaned and sat up. Blinking in surprise she looked about. Lin? Scrambling to her feet she started for the door but stopped when she heard a groan. Turning she spotted the beast. He looked terrible. Gathering up the hem of her dress she hurried to his side. You're alive. She gently ran fingers over his fur. She frowned when she saw the blood. Get away from him. What? She jumped and guiltily spun around to face an enraged Lin. It is your fault he is hurt, you silly little naive girl. He told you those woods were dangerous. How many times will it take for you to learn? Ignoring her hurt look, Lin sat the water down and dipped a towel in it. Pressing it to one of the wounds he carefully began cleaning it. She watched him for a moment and considered leaving. It was clear Lin didn't want her near Ares. She started for the door. If you leave I will personally drag you to your room and chain you to the bed. Stop yelling at me. I said I was sorry. What more do you want from me? I want you to stop being such a selfish little child and give my master what he needs. She blanched then. I cannot have sex with him. He would tear me apart. You are such a fool, Lilandra. That is not what he desires most from you but you are just like all the others that come here. Thinking only of yourself and preserving your precious body. His words were scathing and burned at her conscience. A moan stopped Lin's rant. Master? Lin, don't be so harsh on her. She is only just a girl. That, that girl almost got you killed. Yes, but she got me back here to you and your capable hands. Ares opened his good eye and looked over at Lilandra, his voice tiring. How did you get us here? I'm not sure. A voice told me to think about Lin and the next thing I know we are here. I don't remember much after that. However you managed it, for this I thank you. Please, sir, let me tend your wounds. Lilandra blushed shyly and looked down at the floor. After all you got them saving me from those creatures. The wolves are. Lin started to say more but was interrupted by Ares. It was the reptilia who accosted her. The wolves came after. Lin paled and gazed sharply at Lilandra. What did they say to you? Nothing. They did tell him that I was their prey. This is not good. The reptilia are hired as mercenaries and they never, ever just leave their prey behind. Very true, Lin. We will speak about it later. But for now, let her tend my wounds. Very well. Lin moved away from Ares's side. I will get more water. Lilandra and Ares were silent until Lin left the room. Still not looking at Beast, she picked up a towel, soaked it, and applied it to a wound. She worked that way for several minutes. He watched her movements, noticing the blush that highlighted her cheeks. He disagreed with Lin. He believed that maybe she was starting to understand. He reached out a claw and touched her hair. She froze at his touch. Ah, so there still was some fear. He hoped that one day it would go away. It is all right, little one. I had never noticed how fine your hair really is. It's like my mother's. Her hair was so soft and long. Sometimes she'd let me braid it. She looked at him then, her eyes brimming with tears. He nodded slowly, his breathing becoming slow as the room slowly began to spin, feeling weak now. So familiar, hair like silk. Beast? She shook him, trying to be careful. Beast, please wake up. Lin will blame me if you fall unconscious. He shook his head a moment, trying to clear the cobwebs unsuccessfully. For a moment he looked scared, wondering if perhaps this time would be the last he would see this world. Slowly his eyes began to slide closed as darkness began to take over his vision, stealing him from the conscious world. Oh no! Not again! Oh please wake up! A hasty glance at the door momentarily stayed her panic. Lin wasn't back yet. Looking about she spotted the cushions on the divan and grabbing one dragged it over to Beast. A moment of struggle but then she managed to lift his shaggy head and lay it gently on the cushion. She took a second to look at his wounds. The worst of them appeared to have stopped bleeding. That was good. Getting up she went to the small cabinet that she had once seen Lin open and discovered a jar of salve. Going back to Beast's side, she liberally slathered the odd-smelling ointment on every wound no matter how small. She would not let him die because of her silliness. The horrifying scent of the salve filtered through the stench of blood, filling his nostrils. It sent shockwaves through his senses, jolting into his brain like lightning. The good eye opened again and a disgusted groan was heard. Relief set in when she noticed him looking at her. Good you are awake again. Does it hurt anywhere else besides where I put the medicine? He wrinkled his snout, snorting out, trying to dislodge the wrenching smell of the salve. It's demolishing my nose so I can't tell. I'm sorry. 
She didn't know what else to do. She had only made things worse. Would she never get it right? Probably not. She was nothing but a problem. Her father had been right. She backed away from B staring at the floor as she did so. I'm being a pest. I'll go sit over in the corner and stay out of your way. His large furry hand gripped her wrist with gentle firmness. If Lin gave up every time I thought he was being a pest do you think I would still be here? I have almost given my life to ensure your safety. The least you can do is see that I live to regret it. A soft sound, almost like a chuckle was heard from him, followed by a wince. This was going to hurt when he changed back to human form. Her mouth opened but then she closed it. Fear of him was rapidly vanishing as she tried to understand the feelings that were bombarding her. Guilt she knew well. Shane too had often been a constant companion. But the new feeling that was stirring in her heart was different. She didn't have a name for it. Analyzing it would have to wait until she was alone. Reluctantly she laughed, the soft sound caressing Ares's hearing and soul. I do not want to be the one to make you regret anything. With gentle hands she checked his body for any unseen cuts and bruises. She was almost to his wings when the creak of the door startled her. She jerked upright, pulling her hands to her sides as she glanced at Lin who was entering. He opened his eyes, looking at Lin for a moment, thinking of his next words and knowing that his time in this form was growing short. Soon he would turn back into a man and the pain would multiply. If Lelandra was not escorted away by then she would find out the truth and he would be doomed forever. Lin, I think that the girl has been terrorized enough this night. Perhaps you should escort her to her room? I doubt she will try running away again now that she knows there are worse things after her than I. Lin opened his mouth for a moment to protest, but fell silent as he noticed his master's look. Nodding promptly he set the items he was carrying down on the table by the door and walked over to Lelandra, offering his hand. It is best that we do as the master asks. Warily she took his hand and stood. She stopped at the door and turned to look at Beast. A flicker of confidence replaced indecision. May I check on you tomorrow then, sir? His eyes were soft as he watched her and nodded a moment. Yes, tomorrow, we have much to discuss about certain rules that must be respected. Yes, sir. She let Lin lead her back to her room. She stood in the center away from the door as she watched him shut it and lock her in. Heading for the wardrobe, she picked out a nightgown and put it on. She climbed into bed and promptly fell asleep. As Lin returned to Ares's room, he found that his master's breathing had grown quick and shallow a sign that the change was minutes away. He stood ready with his tools of healing that he kept for such emergencies. Such times were far from pretty and many were etched into his memory like acid on a glass plate. As he watched, his master's body began to change, a low growl gradually morphing into a loud higher-pitched scream of agony, like someone being tortured slowly. Soon the change was complete and Ares lay spent on the floor. The ache from the change combined with the pain from his injuries forced the growl from him. Lin, my friend. Check to make sure I have no broken bones. I need to be in better shape if I'm to keep Lelandra from wandering and the Reptilia from getting her. Slowly and with care, Lin slid his hand across his master's damaged and aching body, ignoring the winces and hisses of pain when he touched a sensitive area. It seemed nothing vital was broken, a rib or two were cracked, however he knew from experience that these would be healed within a day, two at most. A silver lining that the curse had provided, injuries never kept Ares down for long, it had brought out his fighting spirit in its worst form. He was a walking battle machine that could dominate and destroy an entire legion when truly enraged and able to heal away his injuries with incredible speed. You seem to have no broken bones other than a rib or two, my prince. I am more concerned about your slashes. You have lost a large amount of blood. Please, let me give you some of mine to help you through this. Ares shook his head. No. I will be fine. However, if you happen to have a leg of lamb or some other meat handy. Lin couldn't help but let out a small chuckle. Even in dire pain from a transformation his lord never seemed to lose his hunger for food. Nodding, he stood up and picked his master up in his arms and took him to the bed where he began to bandage the worst of his wounds to prevent further loss of blood, ignoring his master's protests. Very well, sire. Once I have finished dressing your wounds, I will fetch you some sustenance. Ares touched Lin's shoulder. My friend, bring back the information you have gathered on my old generals and surviving troops. The reptilia came into my territory without invitation. I will not allow them to multiply or to destroy my home. We must prepare to fight. If we don't, I fear the consequences. He looked his master in the eye and nodded in agreement. Of course, master. 
Many still remain, although scattered and hidden across the lands. You must first rest and heal yourself. You will be no good for fighting if you can barely stand. I will be well when it is time. Are any on their way here? I remember you had sent out missives four months ago. Any responses at all? He tentatively stretched out a leg and only a small twinge of pain hit him. Lin looked thoughtful for a moment before nodding once more. Yes, sire, one of your main generals, General Karas, is on his way with some men I believe. He should arrive within a few days to a week if the weather holds steady. Finally a glimmer of light in this wretched year. His blood had begun to heat and he knew the change was imminent. He sighed for a moment and closed his eyes, preparing himself for the pain that would come far too soon for his liking. Time to get furry again. Lin I will remain here resting. Tomorrow we can figure out what to do about Lalandra. He bowed deeply to his master as he finished speaking and moved towards the door as he replied, Of course, sire, I shall make the preparations you requested earlier while you rest. Ares's murmur was drowned out by the sounds of his change back to beast. He flapped his wings once, settling them along his back before he fell into a much-needed healing sleep. Sir. Sir. The reptilia are returning. The young soldier eagerly announced as he rushed into General Dishus's tent. The general stood up, smiling as the return of his mercenaries was announced. He nodded to the boy and stretched his arms a little chasing away the stiffness that the cold night had brought to them. Good, show them in. I wish to see my prize before she withers too much from their touch. The soldier bowed and ran from the tent. Sin and what remained of his elite warriors entered, heads held high their unblinking gaze focused on Dischius. He waited as they came inside, the number of them diminished. He gave Sin a hard stare and raised an eyebrow. My prize? Lost to us at the moment. Sin didn't elaborate. He and his warriors had decided that they were going to terminate their contract with Dischius. He growled and stepped towards the mercenary his large body tensing in preparation to inflict pain as he spat out his words. What do you mean lost? Either the wolves or the beast got her. His large hand shot out, grabbing the serpent by the throat, squeezing it in an iron grip. That was not what we agreed on. Your job was to bring her here, to me. Sin didn't struggle. His gaze was on Dischius. We were attacked by the local wolf pack and the beast. As you can see there are only three of us remaining out of fifteen. The grip tightened. Dischius was clearly on the verge of unleashing a raging fury upon the creature in his grasp. You told me you could handle it. You informed me that the beast would pose no problem to your supposedly elite men. It seems I hired the wrong mercenaries to do a simple fetching job. Let him go. We do not need to do your work. Do your own finding of the girl. There is some strange magic afoot that protects her. We have no defense against magic. He pulled the creature close, glaring into its slitted eyes, his breath coming in great clouds in the cool air. Magic? Impossible. There should be no magic left. Magic died with Zitomira. Then I have no other answer for you, General. Sheesh has been saved more timeless than any human I've ever met. You can keep our fee. We are washing our handis of this operation. Dischius snarled and shoved the lizard man away, causing him to fall to the floor. Then go. You can't even deal with a simple beast and a conjurer of tricks. Mark my words, reptile, for failing me others will know of your weakness. Work will evaporate for the likes of you. That is something we will deal with when the time comes. I would wish you luck but men like you never seem to appreciate such sentiments. Goodbye, General. May our paths never cross again. If they do... I can guarantee you that you will not be crossing anymore. Now get out of my sight, you incompetent, pathetic excuse for mercenaries. Since three elite warriors hissed their anger but quieted as Sin walked out of the tent in silence. Falsa watched them leave. Sir, Sin and his men have never, ever, failed to bring in the object they were sent to retrieve. Glaring at Falser, Dischius turned away, his voice dark with concern now that the lizard men were gone. I know Falser. This beast has more tricks up his sleeve than we first knew of. The only option left is to storm the castle by force. Take him off guard. He cannot defeat us all. I'm not so sure. He has the girl. And if she is indeed imbued with magic, I do not see how we will prevail. We have overcome magic before. Zitomira has taught me countermeasures against such magic. However, they are difficult to reproduce. I will deal with the girl myself. As you wish, sir. Shall I get the troops ready to move? Attacking in winter would be foolish. The roads are deadly and ditches invisible in the snow. 
We will wait till spring comes. That way the weather will be to our advantage. Yes, sir. I'll check with the supply officers to make sure we do indeed have enough. Do you wish for a recon team to be dispatched to keep watch on the beast's castle? Yes, I want to know the every move that that abomination to mankind makes. I want to know his routine, his weakness, his flight patterns, everything. It shall be done. Soon, sir, you will be king. Falsa thumped his fist to his chest and bowed low before leaving Discius to himself. The general walked across the hard ground floor, stopping in front of the map of their former kingdom, now a desolate wasteland of death and disease. Soon, we will finally have our revenge. Far to the east, in the deep valleys of the wastelands, the bone-chilling winds of the season whistled through the cracks and boulders of the pass. Below the high-stretching walls of the pass, a group of travelers trudged through the light snow, winter was fast coming here and it was unwise to get trapped there when the snows fully hit. There was not much time left but they would make it if nothing delayed them further. Leading the group, a large monstrosity of a man shielded his eyes from the biting cold. It would take more than the weather to put down General Karas. The man to his left tapped him on the shoulder, shouting above the shrieking winds. General, we must find shelter soon. The men are exhausted. If we keep this pace up we will be of no use to our prince. He turned his head just enough to look at the younger man, his face concerned but knowing they had no choice in the matter. And if we do not keep going we will get caught in the coming storms, and we will not see the prince at all. We will rest once we have cleared the wastes, we cannot risk stopping here. If we do we may never leave. Yes, General. Mega looked at his fellow soldiers and nodded grimly. They would follow Karas for he had kept them safe for the last seven years. They would not give up now. Resolutely they trudged on. Turning back to the harsh winds, Karas sighed as he felt the burn in his legs grow stronger. However, the end of the valley and the borders of the wastelands had appeared on the horizon. It would be perhaps another day, two at most before they were back in their homeland. A low whistle followed by two loud clicks sounded an alert to the marching men that potential enemies were approaching. The lead scout watched as the four reptilia passed by his hiding space and continued toward the wastelands and General Karas's small army. Karas signaled for the march to halt, listening to the message that was sent through the coded whistles. He motioned for his men to hide, leaving their belongings in the center. They would take the enemy as they investigated their cargo. Sin was still smarting from his losses when Biwayan hissed a warning that objects had been left in the road ahead. Cautiously the reptilia made their way over to the bundles and inspected them Biwayan's tongue sent to the air, trying to figure out which way the owners of the discarded things had fled to. Unfortunately the wind was blowing towards the cargo, preventing any smells from reaching the searching lizard man. Take what we need from it. Scavenger SSS writes. Sin was pleased with this find. It would make traveling the wastelands easier. As they drew closer to the cargo, the army of Karas watched, waiting for the perfect moment to spring their trap. As they approached, the ringing of swords was heard as they drew their blades. That's far enough snakes. Sin froze, his gaze on the humans that now surrounded him. We did not know Thess were yours. That was the point, reptile. We wanted you here so we could rid the land of another batch of mercenary scum who prey on our lands and comrades. Now drop your weapons or we will fell you where you stand. Karas took another step forwards, the top of his sword under Sin's chin. Sin issued a series of clicks and hisses. Slowly his warriors lowered their weapons. We are no longer mercenarious. I made a choice that will ensure that we will never be hired again. Indeed you have snake, because by coming here, you have sealed your fate and will fall by my blade. Have you any last words before I send you back to the hell that spawned you? Yes. General Dischus is attempting to kidnap the young female who has snagged the beast SSS attention. Sin stood calmly unafraid of death. He had been bred for war, and death was no stranger to him. Karas paused for a moment, considering the words he had heard. He was unsure if he could trust them. The reptilia were known as mercenaries and in general mercenaries would say anything to get what they wanted. And how do I know you aren't saying this just so we release you? May I? Sin gestured to the pouch he carried. If you try to cross me, snake, I will skin you alive till you die. The sword tip pressed against his throat, pricking the skin. No cross. He reached into the pouch and held up a tuft of fur as well as a piece of a woman's dress. Kara's eyes narrowed and he leaned in closer to Sin, the sword tip still pressed close. Very well, snake. For this we will let you go, once you tell us when he plans this. But if I see you again, there will be no questioning. Only death. He will move on the beast in the spring. 
He has called in all his allies. He wishes his to rule. And the rest of us be damned. Karas stepped back, lowering his weapon. Very well. Take your weapons and go. Do not enter these lands again or I will personally use your hide to line my floor. Karas looked to his men a moment. Pack up the cart well. We must make haste if we are to arrive before winter takes its full grip. Good luck. Sin turned to leave but paused. Beware the female. Sheesh is more than what sheesh appears to be. Karas nodded only once, keeping his weapon free of its sheath until Sin and his men were out of sight. Sliding his blade home he sighed and rubbed his face with a hand. He could feel the weariness drawing his strength from him, but they needed to continue. They could not fail the Prince Ares once again. This story is continued in the next part. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allow members to request future stories and themes. Links are in the description. Thank you for listening.